series an informative and fun deep dive into the workers behind the professions. I'm your host, Cassie Townsend, a jackhead of all trades. We'll cover the ins and outs of jobs, careers, and the daily grind that led professionals to where they are and where they're going. On today's show, we're going to talk with a musician by the name of Michael Gartner. Hi, Michael, and welcome to Work History. Hi, Cassie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So we are in Oklahoma, and that's uh, that's a festival that we're at. We're at the Castle of Muskogee together, which is really fun. I really like being here. And um, this is a travel podcast, so we're in Oklahoma right now. That's where you're at. We're both here. That's awesome. We're at the Muskogee Public Library, which is really fun. It has AC. It has AC, mm. which is really, really nice. Delicious. Yeah. Now, I, I'm scratching my brain. I can't remember where you and I have met. Like where we first met? Or yeah. Where, where, uh, like, um, that's a great question. I don't know. I, yeah. I know. I'm pretty sure I saw you performing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know your your other hat that you wear as a washer wench. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't remember which show it was. And I want to say I want. Well, rather, should I ask? Have you ever worked at NorCal Renfair? N- Northern California. Yeah. No, never okay. been there. Uh, not the Casa de Fruto one. No. Okay. Uh, Southern California. Southern. Yeah. Did you work Southern in 2003, 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. 6, or 7? I want to say um, possibly 2007 or 8 mm-hmm. was the first time that the group was there. Okay. Um, we would have we just missed each other then. Possibly. Oh, and then I'm thinking maybe I, I might have met you at uh, Will and Danielle's place. In the uh, Idlewild, up in the I, I only went on their last, their last hurrah. Oh. I didn't get a chance to like really experience the Idlewild oh, place wow. at all. I went to their. It was we're pretty... saying goodbye to the home because the new owners are literally moving in in the morning. We're spending the night and hope they don't oh, arrive geez. before we leave. <laughs> wow, that was a that was wild. <laughs> it was wild in Idlewild. <laughs> it sure was. Um, well, then, in that case, did you do St. Louis maybe in 2017? Nope. Um, then I'm going to say it must have been Sherwood 2019. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That's probably what it was. Nope. We weren't there in 2019. You weren't? Nope. Oh. So it might have been here. In, t- in 2019? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Wow, my brain is just, I, it's I can't tough, place it. isn't it? I can't place it. Well, yeah. I do know that I know that we last, got to know each other here, yeah. for sure. And definitely, like, last year, we spent a lot of time talking. And mm-hmm. so, that to me, it's kind of like last year was when we yeah. uh, actually met. Yeah, and we did, um, here at the Castle of Muskogee, we did a promo for the news. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, my, my show partner was flying home during the week, so they usually do their promo on like I don't know Wednesday or Thursday midweek, and um, I said, "Hey, I could do it," and they're like, "But isn't your partner out?" And I said, "No, I've got a replacement," and it was her daughter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Her daughter that was super cute. Helped out. Uh-huh. I was, and she was like, "I don't know how to act." I was like, "You know how your mom wenches? Just be your mom." You know exactly right. what to do. Perform like your mom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally. Be your mom. Just be your mom. It's fine. So we we played. Oh, that's funny. It was a lot of fun. 
I remember yeah. we, you and I bonded a lot over that day. Well, and then also last year we spent a lot of time uh, just talking about rescue and rescue mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. I, I, just in the last couple of years, I've tried to be more active in like the community physically supporting rescue. Like, you know, I can move this, I can do that. Or uh, attending workshops and things of that nature. And so, you know, since you're heavily in one of your other hats is, yeah. is a rescue. You're a board member, right? Uh, yeah. See? Just recently, a new board member as of January. That's, Ugh. wow. So you've got lots of, lots so of hats many, going so around. So many hats. My hat box is full. <laughs> no more hats, please. I got to get rid of some hats. Anybody want to have a yard sale? <laughs> you should like trade hats and get more stylish hats. Like yeah. A, like, a, you know, beret or something like that. Ooh, I could yeah. get the uh-huh. French it up. Okay. <laughs> Unless it was a raspberry beret and then and then I'd only have to come in through the outdoor. Mm-hmm. So. There's a musical reference that you don't hear every day. Right? Hey. <laughs> So definitely rescue stuff. I think yeah, we bonded yeah, over that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know we uh, also were both interested in learning more about. Well, I, actually, I never really figured out what your angle was. I on what with the whole thing with Phil. Uh, Phil, uh, Phil and Ronnie. Ronnie. Oh, Phil and Ronnie. Ronnie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And their thing. I yeah. I was just really well, fascinated. That's my angle. <laughs> well, well, what am I trying well, to get out of it? Uh, I was trying yeah, to get weak you, work. Okay, so what's yeah, this week work? Just okay. week work for me. I just wanna. I wanted to make. I wanted to supplant my supplement my income yeah. with something during, during the, the week. week. Yeah, because you know you. This is one of those jobs that you can either have a lot of time mm-hmm. to yourself, or yeah. you can have no time to yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm still yeah. working on like props and set stuff, and and, and I have to podcasting, podcasting, yeah. and doing other things for myself. But but I still need. I'm I'm not making any money from this podcast. I'm not making any money from being a volunteer on the board of directors for Rescue. So those are two really big hats that I wear that are are not giving. They're very empty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So when I pass the hat, it's for realsies. Mm -hmm. And um, and then the washing well wench gig. It's a weekend that I only get paid for the weekend work. The work that I do during the week for the washing well wench, filling the tub, laundry, all that kind of stuff. Those are, that's not paid. It's not, you know, so, so for Phil and Ronnie, um, for the Earl of Sandwich and uh, Fool's Cap LLC, I interviewed Ronnie on my podcast. Which I'm I'm going to go listen to that one because I think she's fascinating. She is. She's a wealth of knowledge. That is actually why I was so excited when you mentioned about it. It's like, oh, I'm going to go work for Phil. I mean, literally, we were just passing each other, and you're like on your way to go work for him. And I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? I'm going to go work for Phil, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, they need help? And you're like, oh, I bet you needs help. I'm like, great. Because yeah. immediately, I'm like, I want to get to know this guy better. Yeah. Because he's been around forever. He yeah. knows everybody. Yeah. He knows. I mean, they are some, some of the... Uh, real legacy people in in, yeah. in our industry as for far sure. as doing that for and sure. so it's great just talking to the guy mm-hmm. and he's oh, a trip too oh yeah i love talking to him and and uh it, it's it was fascinating i learned so much last year so when he asked me hey do you want to come in on thursday i said hell yeah i'll be there yeah so uh yeah. and then i you know make a little money too mm-hmm. uh, <coughs> if i'm lucky i might even get some food out of it exactly he makes but, some lovely fruit cups and he'll just 
want a food cup? (laughs) He just, sometimes he'll just shove it in your hand (coughs) without even asking. He'll just, here, eat this. So that was a great thing. I remember, and that was you. That's the only reason why I made that connection is because you were going like this. Yeah, you were having your morning coffee and a little walk. And you're like, what are you doing? I was like, what are you doing? I'm going to work. What are you doing, you slacker? I'm just walking. (laughs) That's work, too. Um, But, yeah, I I, I talked to Ronnie. Um, Well, first of all, I would go over as a Washington wench. We trade up our ones and fives. We don't go to the Castleton Bank. We go to the food booth because the merchants, A, they need the ones and fives really bad usually. And then B, a lot of times they'll kick you you a little extra something um, for that. So like at Phil and Ronnie's booth, they've got chocolate-covered bananas bam right and they'd be like you want a banana I'd be like hell yeah i want a banana take away so your then, fruit cup yeah exactly <laughs> and so i then become a walking advertisement for them nice. you know it's like the washing while wenches are eating their banana that's really cool Where'd you get that right? banana right and um or as soon as a food vendor gives me anything uh food wise that's related to their booth I turn around almost immediately and I say, "You guys, I just got this thing. Look how delicious! You should get one right here." Like, and then I walk around and talk to people, and they go, "What are you eating?" And then I tell them, and it's great. It's like there you go. advertising for them. It's perfect. So, so uh, yeah. So I really think the last heroes are. Yeah, our, that was our like our moment connected. Yeah, connected tissue <coughs> of momentum. Well, uh, your job is musician. I am a musician. Now, your musician is different than the other musician that I had on here, which was Vince Conaway. He oh. has he's a hammered dulcimer player. Right. You are you are a musician, uh, but the leader of a band. I do have a band, and uh, I also have other projects that I work with. Although the band seems to take everything, yeah, everything. It's uh, it is my full time project for sure. So, uh, what band are you in? Uh, well, I have a band that I am the artistic director. Uh, it's let's uh, see. I'll just give you the the. I'm like, wow. How do I introduce this and not make it sound weird? Um, <laughs> Sorry for Welcome stalling. Welcome to our life. All right. Well, in the show, we say uh, we are the international minstrels troupe known as Volgamut. So the name of the group is Volgamut, and immediately people are like, "What?" Because yeah. it's like it's not an English word, obviously, and right. it's a German word. And not only that, it's an old German word. So even Germans go "Was?" You know, when they hear oh. it, because they don't know what it is either. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The only. Uh, so yeah, we literally have to explain it every single show. Wow. Every single, we educate our audience every single show. This well, is what it means. Educate us here. So Volgamut is an ancient German word which simply means to be in a good mood. Oh, yeah. well, I like that. And interestingly enough, uh, I was really happy when I discovered there's an old English word that's related. So you may have heard the word wassail. Yeah. Wassail means of to be of good cheer. Oh, yeah. So the wassail bowl is the cheering bowl. You yeah. Know, you drink, you know, yeah. booze, and right. then you get it all cheery. Right. 
but it's also uh, special occasions. You have a wassailing bowl, and most people may or may not know there is a Christmas carol. Uh, mm-hmm. Here That's we come, a wassailing, a dun 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 dun. So wassail, yeah, made it into the twenty, at least the twentieth huh. century, because it's still part of a Christmas tradition. Right. Uh, Volgamu did not really make it into the twentieth century. Here we go, Volgamu, along the list Drink this now, or we will take you in. Da dun da ding, you know. <laughs> Um, the only way it survived into the 21st century is that uh, it's a last name. So people have Volgamut as a last name. Oh, that's a fun to be in a good mood. Like, I hope they're really happy people. Well, and that's the, the reason why we're called Volgamut, because I found the name associated with an artist uh, mm-hmm. uh, who was a, a painter. Sorry. That's a painter right. and, Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, he had an art workshop in Nuremberg, and his name hmm. was Michael Volgamut, Michael Volgamut. Oh, wow. And it's spelled the way we spell it, which is the 15th century spelling. The, the W-O-L-G-A-M-U-T? G-E. G-E. M-U-T. M-U-T. Volgamut. Being German, the W sounds like a V. G. Is a G E and moot, so U has a very oo sound. Yeah. Short moot, volgemut. The modern spelling is W O H L, which is vol in modern mm. German. Yeah. Symbol, for instance, when you when you toast, mm-hmm. you know, to your well-being, symbol. Uh, and moot has M-U-T-H, which is also the 19th century spelling. So when you see it in modern Ger- German, it's usually a last name. Lots of H's. And with H's, yeah. yeah. And so the Germans see it, and they're like, that's spelled wrong. Right. Like, no, it's no. spelled historically. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's spelled into old ways. Yeah. So imagine that's the confusion fun. people have yeah. just dealing with Renaissance English. Now right. add Renaissance German, German to it. it. Uh, You're just all about confusing people, I see. Which, you know, at the time it seemed like a great idea <laughs> because uh, I, I spent a lot of time in Germany. In fact, mm. a huge part of my education was in Germany. Uh, when I came back to the United States, I was all excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to spread the word and everybody's going to be excited about Germanness and whatnot because mm-hmm. I think it's cool. Yeah. And it's not. Cause <laughs> Because they kind of did a bad thing one time. And one time. They're still getting one over time. it. One time. that one <laughs> thing. Like, all it takes is yeah. that one bad apple yeah. running the whole bunch. I mean, think about it. It's, it's crazy because, what, what are we, 1945? We're not quite 65? at 100 years yet. Does it have to wait till 100 years? I don't know. Because a century the, has not passed yet. So Think about the American we're Civil still War. still pretty They're close. Still there's baggage from that. The oh, American there, Civil yeah. War. Which I'm was, sure the British like, are still mad about the Revolutionary War. A little bit. I don't know if they're colonies. salty, but they definitely make fun of us. Yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so, but yeah. they still farmers. Do. And there's people. There's still people here, actually, for the revolution. That so uh, modern news. Even though I batch these episodes, it's only a week in advance. Uh, King Charles was just coronated this past weekend, and Psh. see. But what I'm saying is that was 400 years ago, or no, two, whatever, math is hard, um, 1776, so 200 and, uh, 247 years ago, we were, that's, that's quite a long time. Oh and my we're goodness. St- and we're still. I just realized in 26 will be the 250th anniversary. Yeah. 
because uh, I was actually alive for the bicentennial. I was born on the bicentennial. Really? Yeah, I'm a bicentennial baby. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I so every that. time the United States goes up a year, so do I. <laughs> So that's why I was so quick to say 47 because I'm like, oh, I'm going to be 47 this year. That's right off the tip of my tongue right there. That's great. I'm not that math wizard. That was my last episode. (laughs) Anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, Charles, you were saying King Charles. What is he, Charles III now? I don't know. There's so many Charleses. But anyway, um, one of my friends who's married to an expat called him Chuckles. And I was like, now that's hilarious. So then that's showing me that even 246 years, 47 almost years from that revolution, we're still poking fun at each other for the thing, for the transgressions that happened 246 years ago. You know, well, so, I mean, so I think simple. that Hitler yeah. thing is going to take a little bit longer to... To Man. get over. Sorry, Germans buddy. Germany's so cool. I know. And Germany's awesome. Germany is I mean, awesome. I mean, that's the saddest part is people, and of course in the United States, we know so very little about other cultures. And we others. really do. Yeah. And except the bad things or the yeah. goofy things. Right. So, and we're uh, a melting pot, technically. We're supposed to be a, this melting pot of all of these other uh, nationalities, so you'd think we would start celebrating how awesome everything is. You would think. Uh, it's funny, some, somebody, a teacher friend of mine recently mentioned that, well, we don't use the melting pot analogy anymore. We think of it more as a stew. And I said, excuse <laughs> a me? Stew? A so stew? So there's bigger parts than it's, littler because parts? Because some chunks are bigger than others, like the oh, Irish St. Patrick's Day thing is like a big part of our culture, even though it's like not really that big a deal. Right. Um, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, which you there. would think would be even bigger, but not necessarily, you know. Right. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, cultural things that we've adopted. And, of course, it, uh, the whole idea of, of Mardi Gras, for instance, mm. which is very specific to Catholic culture. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from the French, the Mardi Gras, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but, like, in... Other European countries, they celebrate it too. Hmm. They just call it carnival. Oh, yeah, okay. Which is why they have carnival in southern South America. It's usually referred to as like carnival. Rio and stuff. Uh, yeah, carnival. only in Louisiana they call it Mardi Gras. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, but it's all the same celebration. Yeah. Uh, and has, but here in the United States, it's now this huge party. But people tend to forget Mardi Gras is the last day. You know, oh. the party's leading up to it, and oh, so true. yeah. But you have to be like in Louisiana to actually get that. But right, it's right. but it's starting to grow. I see it more and more. Cause it obviously, has commercial appeal. We, I know a few years ago in at Sherwood, we were working in 2019. Anyway, we did a little Mardi Gras parade just because it was it was like middle of the week. And what else are we gonna do? Like we're all working the festival. Site crew all took off an hour to have this parade, and it was so fun. And I, I ended love up, that idea. yeah. And I they had a petting zoo at the time, and the goats got out, and I actually caught one of the goats. And um, ate it. No, <laughs> but Marty, no, it was a pet. It was a fun thing. Oh, but I wrapped my beads around it. To, as a leash, I was like, I caught one, and then Danielle goes, "Be careful, because uh, they're fertile." And I was like, "I don't want to catch one that bad." <laughs> it was a fun moment, but yeah, got a nice little video of me catching a goat. Uh, all right, so you are a musician. What do you play? 
Uh, sometimes it's easier to ask me what I don't play. Oh, all right. Uh, what don't you play? Uh, <laughs> There's well, a lot of those, too. <laughs> I used to say that um, regularly when people say, what do you play? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I play a wide variety of historical instruments. I used to play the trumpet. I started on trumpet Great. In, uh, in elementary school. Uh, in high school, I switched to the horn, the, which the French horn. Like French horn, yeah. Mm-hmm. My first uh, first boyfriend, well, not first boyfriend, but my boyfriend in college, he played the French horn. Ah, ooh la la. Yeah. And then I went on to college, the university, and studied horn and mm-hmm. education because it was that time when people were like, well, you know, you should have a backup plan. And right. the weird thing is that I really wanted to go into education. That was my first professional job oh. as a teacher. And uh, I uh, did the performance part as, a back, as the backup. Yeah. That was my plan B. Well, then it all got switched around. So I've been living <laughs> plan B for the last 25 years or nice. so. Nice. And uh, it turns out teaching, uh, I love teaching. I still teach a lot. I do lots of workshops and whatnot. But uh, being in a public school is not a good fit for me. Yeah. I just had a hard time adjusting to the bureaucracy and everything. Yeah. And so I decided I'm going to, yeah, it's part of my story is that, yeah, I really wanted to be a teacher, you know, high school. Uh, it turns out I love teaching elementary school. Cool. Because the kids are super excited and they yeah. love it. And when they make a noise, they're like, you know, they get it all. Yeah. So I still do workshops with uh, with younger younger kids and whatnot. Cool. But uh, so let's see. As a musician, though, I play uh, a variety of instruments. Um, my main instrument, if you were to see me performing on a weekend at the Renaissance Fair, you would see me blowing into a stick. <laughs> That's called a Rausch Fife. Oh. Uh, it's uh, basically it's a German version of a Sham. Sham is the instrument before the oboe, so it's related huh. to the oboe. Wow. The oboe came from the Sham family, gotcha. and the Rausch Fife is a type of Sham. And uh, in fact, most European cultures have some form of Sham that they use. Cool. And a lot of those instruments still exist in traditional music throughout the world. You know, wherever Shams were. Being used. In fact, I was just reading an article. I'm very excited. I found there's a, a type of sham that was imported by the Spanish into Americas, the Americas, and wow. it is still being played in parts of Latin America and being built the way they built it four or five hundred years ago. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm really excited to actually learn more about that and possibly possibly get a chance to um, visit some place where they actually build them still and where they play them. That's and, cool. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited about that. Uh, in fact, I also just saw, uh, I just learned there's a guy in Spain, uh, they put a video of him up, and he's building a bagpipe. He's a shepherd, a professional shepherd. Like, he's the guy out there with the sheep and whatnot. Yeah. And... Uh, he builds his own bagpipes by hand, like carving them Whoa. out. And if, I don't know if you know, but there's there's a connection between bagpipes and shepherds that goes all the way back to uh, the Middle Ages and before. Because yeah. of, um, so the the Annunciation, you know, where Gabriel shows up and says, uh, and he's like talking to the shepherds in the fields. Cool. You probably heard Christmas carols about that. Probably. Oh wait, I'd have to figure it out. 
But um, the Annunciation, that's that moment in time uh-huh. when Gabriel shows up and says, uh, there's a babe being born. Oh, like in the Peanuts cartoon. They, they, Linus actually tells that moment of okay. the Annunciation. Gotcha. And it's the, the, he doesn't show up in the cities. He doesn't go to the kings or whatever. He goes to the shepherds in the field. Okay, mm. the 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 probably the you know the most meek and meager of, of all people, mm-hmm. and he announces to the shepherds that yes, Jesus is born, and that moment in time, as you move forward from in history, you you'll see it represented over and over and again in iconography, so like paintings, drawings, whatever. Uh, medieval Bibles, Renaissance paintings, whatever, the Annunciation. And in that picture, when they paint a picture of it, there will be a shepherd and he will be playing a bagpipe. Interesting. And, yeah, it's always like every single version of the Annunciation I've ever seen, it has huh. a bagpipe in it. Anyway, so, so I get excited when I... So <laughs> to me, to equate it to the United States, because I haven't been out of the country yet, and I know that's really bad. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, I am working on it. because I have country. my. It is, and I've, huge. I've gotten to most of it. Think so about that's it. Good. How many states have you visited in a the lot. United States? A yeah. lot. You yeah. know, t- probably 20, 30? No, 40-something. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. so you're like almost all of them. Yeah, there's there's only a handful. We tend to forget country. that we're the United States yeah. of America. Right. Okay? That means that would be 47 countries right. anywhere else. Right. Okay? We say state... And we have a specific idea about it, but in other nation states or other places you go in, like in Europe, each of those states, those countries, they're basically a state within size. that. Yeah. And yeah. they're tiny. Yeah. Germany is about the size of Arizona. Right. Okay? But right. it's got 120 million people floating around in it. Right. Right. And the United States is huge compared to that. And yet mm-hmm. we share so much culturally and and at the same time, we have lots of things we don't share regionally that are that are different. So, right. and we so we I forget. Would, yeah. You know. So I would equate the Annunciation paintings that you've seen with shepherds and the bagpipes to not necessarily any paintings, but maybe like movies, like Deliverance of <laughs> the, the Ozarks and the banjo. Yes. So Definitely. like where where did the banjo come from? I'm mm-hmm. sure we probably know exactly where it came from, but now maybe 200 years from now we'll probably equate banjos to being in Mississippi and Arkansas and See, I think that's 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 amazing you pointed out because we 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 tend to forget that music has a huge memory jog or or just relationship jog i mean this is why every movie has music in it mm-hmm. because it, it helps bind Solidify, all that yeah the, the um, knowledge you can have just in. little musical references and people are like oh because they hear the music mm-hmm. i mean i loved it when uh game of thrones was popular mm-hmm. uh the the little melody they play when they're about to kill somebody mm-hmm. which is the the what, what do they call that the reigns of casimir if you heard that theme, you knew somebody was going to die, oh, or cool. something bad was going to happen, yeah. or uh, uh, like in Star Wars when you hear dun 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 dun, dun that's yeah. known as the Imperial March. That's right. when John Williams wrote it. Mm-hmm. He called that the Imperial March. Right. Most people associate it with Darth Vader, but really, it's any time the Empire shows up. Okay. Right. Um, 
I mean, music. We use music yeah. all the time. For, I mean, horror movies. There's the there's the right? or the 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 bass that you know, the, the, the scary like you know the weird yeah the weird oh, God, sound. They have, a, they have a name for that. There's a technical name for that. Oh, I'm sure there is. Thing. Well, just like there's the Wilhelm scream. Oh, yeah, the, it's, I, I, it's the same. Wow, I can't yeah. do it, but it's, yeah. I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. The it. Wilhelm scream is the same scream. They just use the the one dude recorded it, and they just use it. I over think it's from the fifties, even. Yeah, it's like it's, super old. Yeah, from the from right after they got sound. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they recorded this poor stunt actor. Like, ah! Okay. And, oh, it's, and it's, then it's, it's so classic. Over and over again. So yeah, obviously sound is important mm-hmm. in movies. Sound is important in uh, theater. Mm-hmm. Sound is important uh, in all these different things. Um, so going back to what I do is I, I am fascinated by sounds and and more importantly like acoustic sounds, so acoustic music. This is why we love the bagpipe. We, mm-hmm. we use a bagpipe in our group. I play the Rausch Five, which is a sham. I occasionally play the bagpipe, but I don't really do it anymore because um, I, I learned a long time ago: is if you try to do too much, you're never going to get good at whatever it, what is. it yeah. is. So I, I purposely like I'm just going to be the best Rausch Five player on the planet, and I believe it now that nice. I am because nice. I have not met anybody else. Who, well, I don't meet very many Roush Five players to begin with, and the ones I do meet, they're nowhere close to where I'm at. Wow. Um, That's and and cool. I don't mean to sound uh, egotistical about it, but it's just I, I've just spent a lot of time, literally like 25 years playing this instrument and yeah. playing it the best I can. Right. And I just can't find anybody else. You know, right. Which sucks. There, there might be somebody in a random small... Mexican town, because yeah, I'm going to find that guy who's town. like awesome on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and there are other instruments and people that play other instruments, like the oboe, which is a much different instrument. But I do learn things from, you know, professional oboe players, especially mm-hmm. when it has to do with reeds and reed maintenance. But the saddest part is since I don't have any colleagues that play the same instrument I do, I don't have anybody to learn from. Right. So I constantly have to push myself or I look for related things, related right. instruments. So shams, oboes, those kind of things. Cool. Yeah. Let's... Let's find out what is your typical day as a musician, and let's let's talk about first your festival day, yeah. and then your non-festival day. Okay. Monday through Friday is obviously going to be different than so, uh, Saturday Sunday. Yeah, uh, let's see. I've been performing primarily uh, Renaissance festivals for years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally, we'll do a concert. Occasionally, we'll do a workshop. Occasionally, we'll do other gigs, corporate gigs, weddings, nice. whatever. But for the most part, it's rent fairs. Yeah. And uh, so that means, you know, our let's start with our festival day. Well, we get up and get ready. And uh, normally, because we're loud, we uh, frequently get asked to perform in the morning for the opening gate ceremony before the, the audience comes in. Uh, but not always. Uh, so it means uh, we're just typically we have four performances a day. That's very typical. Sometimes we'll have five. Uh, occasionally we'll have other things. So our you know hopefully those performances are spaced out enough that we can put a lot of energy into it and then take a break and whatnot. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. But four and we have four sets of music. Five actually five sets of music with 
with uh, scripting and everything like that. So we have five completely different scripts and mm. sets that we do. Nice. So when people come to see us, they uh, they come back during the day, they'll see a completely different show. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, how we are with the Washington Wenches, exactly. too. We have little bits that we can kind of substitute in and, you know, like, oh, somebody's And as a music group, again. it's really about what's the set list. And uh, a lot of the scripting stuff is similar, mm-hmm. but uh, we're... We constantly are trying to change it up and do different That's things. That's good. That's good. Uh, but the weird thing about doing run fairs is you, it's so easy to get into a, a set. I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like it's not a slump, but it's definitely like a group. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and once yeah. you're in that group, getting out of that group can be real painful or, or just difficult mm-hmm. because there's a comfort aspect. And, of course, right. that's one of the things that makes the performance uh, very tight. You know, because we're all like, boom, boom, boom. And so if we're going to change something in the show, I, I really want to rehearse it a lot before we start changing That's it. That's great, yeah. Um, because, you know, then it's like, eh, it's not going to be. Although sometimes it's fun, and, and then there is some improvisation that happens. In fact, we were just laughing about our, uh, our hat line. Okay, so we get done with our performance, and, uh, you know, most of the shows that we play at are non-hat shows. Oh. Yeah, so like Maryland, Pennsylvania, Sterling, they don't, they buy our hat. They they, they pay us that's more money. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, great. So I don't have to worry about hat. But this yeah. show is definitely a hat show. And uh, so we have to constantly remind ourselves, how do we do the hat again? Because it's been six months since we did it or <laughs> right. a year. Um, and so we have this bit that we do. And this year we decided to... Uh, give that bit to our newest member, uh, James, who's been playing with us for about five years and still doesn't have <laughs> any lines Aww. or anything. So, um, he's very shy and he's very quiet. Yeah, I get a, that he's very introverted. Yeah, but he's a great trombone player and he adds a lot musically. And visually, I mean, on stage, he, you know, he does contribute. Brightens up, for sure. Uh, and he's definitely loosened up because I see him dancing more now. <laughs> he used to be just stand there and was like scared. Of, I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, yeah. what? I'm like, come on, you got to move. Yeah. And he's like, oh. And now he's like, I can't get him to stop. Like, Whoa, watch <laughs> it. The trombo goes flying out one way. So we finally decided, okay, James, this year you get a bit. And he's like, really? What, what bit do I get? And I said, you get the hat bit. Okay. He goes, oh. <laughs> Okay. He said, you don't have to say anything, but, you know, you have to do the bit. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay. And so the, the, the our hat bit is we have a bag, like, you know. And uh, when we get to that point in the show, I said, you know, if you've enjoyed the music and you've enjoyed this show right now, um, uh, then uh, we happen to have this empty bag here. And at that point, the, whoever's doing the bag bit has to look in the bag and then go, Oh, like this, and start pulling stuff out of the bag. Nice, nice. So there's a cowbell, there's maracas, there's just like just little stuff, bits and bobs. Gags, and it yeah. ends with a, one of those rubber chickens that if you squeeze nice. it and let go, it goes, yeah. you know? So you're supposed to toss it by him. So believe it or not, we spent a couple hours practicing that bit so that he could get the timing right. Yeah, of course. And and after, after a couple hours, he had it down. But Perfect. I wanted to make sure he was rehearsed on just that bit, which lasts 30 seconds, right. so that he felt comfortable with it. Right. And uh, he premiered it last Saturday and nailed it. Nice. Nailed it. 
and uh, which which was funny because he got a really good laugh from the chicken thing. And the person who had been doing the bit before him, I could tell he was a little like, I, I, <laughs> right. no names, names, right, right, right. but um, uh, James really owned it, so That's it is great. now his bit. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And he finally gets to do something. He gets to do something. Yeah. And it's important. It um, the I think one of the hardest things about my job is that because I'm the boss or the director or whatever like that, um, I, I have to constantly work to keep myself grounded with the guys. Mm. Okay. At no time do I want to feel like I'm I'm the boss and you have to do what I say. Right. Okay, it's not. It's cooperation, and you know this when you're yeah. performing with somebody, regardless of the the media, music, theater, dance, whatever. Right. You've got to cooperate. Mm-hmm. You've got to. Yeah. You know, if you're not partner. cooperating, you're you're fighting each other, and it's never going to work. Exactly. You know, it's for the band, man. You know. Like, no. <laughs> and so it's funny when I hear people talking about their musical experiences and playing in bands and whatnot, and you know they fall apart. And they go, oh, so, well, did you guys work together to? Fix the problems? No. Well, yeah. And it's so, a partnership. It's a relationship. It's yeah. it's a lot. And of I stuff, have it yeah. with three other musicians or four other yeah. musicians, and and their and you know, their partners and their partners yeah. and their animals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a new animal that just entered our little community. I and, know. And Very he's, adorable. He's adorable, but boy, he's got a lot of spunk. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're we're all getting we're Used all to learning. It. Yeah. yeah. And he's getting used to us. But. All right, typical day. Let's get back to it. Uh, that what's was it. Your, what's I'm your done. Monday through Friday? Um, Monday is my day off. Mm-hmm. I say that, but I end up doing a lot of my own chore stuff, laundry, shopping, whatnot. I hang out with this chick at the the rescue, uh, the Bazaar Bazaar, mm-hmm. so, and we talk rescue stuff, and it's fun. Uh, <laughs> That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's great. It's great. I but like really, Monday is yeah. my day off, and I just, I just kind of wanted to. I don't know if you have the same thing. Um, a long time ago, one of the things that really hindered me in my performance is that I would feel kind of blue on Mondays, mm. and it really worried me. It bugged me a lot. I'm like, oh, God, this kind of sucks. You know, like it, I don't want to say depressed, but just like. Right down i was kind of mm-hmm. down on mondays i'm like what and then a friend of mine finally actually and i don't know if you know gabrielle who's a colleague so but i had a yeah. conversation with a couple of different people and they go of course you just spent the whole weekend being like super up yeah and all the energy you're putting out and all the that adrenaline and all that mm. yeah and i'm like yeah not only that now that i'm older i have to kind of fake it and make it even more <laughs> yeah exactly it's not naturally <laughs> there anymore yeah um, which is so I do. I like Monday. I'm just exhausted, and mm-hmm. I'm down. I'm just kind of yeah. down. And once I figured that out, I'm like, "That's okay. Now yeah. I get it." So I purposely try to like not think about any any work related stuff at all good. on Monday. Yeah. Just take it off. Socialize with people. Visit with people. Have a good breakfast. Mm-hmm. Do something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, go see a movie or read a book or anything, but don't think about the work. Right. Right. Then, which means that on Tuesday I'm really busy because then I have to get back into it. <laughs> yeah, um, thinking about the work. Thinking about the work. And, of course, there's always something. Again, I'm the artistic director, which means I'm really the business leader, too, and I have to make all these decisions. And I'm 
constantly communicating with people mm-hmm. about the band, about, uh, uh, yeah, anything that has to do with the band, I'm communicating about it. Uh, case in point, I, I still have little bits and bobs of paperwork that have to go to festivals. You know, mm-hmm. this one wants a W9, this one wants some promotional stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, we forgot this, that, and whatever. Yeah, do your participant link for that one <laughs> so you get your passes and yes, yeah, all that. Yeah, and it's yeah. like still like, and I'm I'm getting hounded by festivals that I won't be at until October, and, right. But they want it all done now. Yeah. Okay, so I got to do all this. Do I have all the information they want? No, I got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So lots of paperwork stuff, mostly email, some texting, some phone calls. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of. Uh, uh, text and phone calls from people who are suddenly interested in um, wanting to guest perform with my group, and do I do that? And I'm like, yes, we do do that. But, <laughs> and, and then I have to figure out, like, okay, is this somebody I actually want to spend the time and energy working right, with? Right, right. Uh, so I try to be open about all of that, because you never know. You may find somebody just as a great It's phenomenal. And, yeah. Yes, so and I don't want to say no, but it's a lot of work. To figure yeah. all that out. So that's, I'm literally, yeah, I spent some time on it. Yes. What's today, Tuesday? Today is Tuesday, yeah. Honestly, I did spend time on my day off doing that because I was yesterday. reaching region. Was that yesterday, Monday? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm right back into it. Uh, t- today, I actually spent some time painting my stage. Nice. Because we have a brand new stage, and there's no safety line on the edge of the stage. Oh, yeah. So people yeah. keep almost like falling off the stage. I had one of my musicians oh. fall off. Oh, no. Like he took a misstep and didn't yeah. realize how, how wide Close it was. It was yeah. I've seen people in the audience that are having issues because there's other new steps and whatnot. Mm. So I thought, I'm just going to paint a white safety line on all these steps. Nice. And now it's very visible and clean. Uh, and we dress the bottom of the stage. There's kind of a gap between the stage and the deck, and yeah. so we put a like a, a piece of fabric there to nice. make it look at more. You know, and it's nicer. And yeah. I think I'll do some more. And, it, and that's a part of our job too. I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys have to. Yeah, we have well, to. You guys are crazy because you have all. We your, have to add our own set dressing to yeah. whatever stage that and we're it on. Usually tends to be quite a bit too. Yeah, this year we went a little light only because after this. Closes. I have to tear down really quick and get to California for my next right, festival. Right. And the wench that I have here this year, this is her first year, so her oh. um, her kit is not built up yet. She right. doesn't have fodder. She doesn't have all that stuff yet. Is that what you call it? We call it fodder. fodder. Yeah. yeah, but it's Orange all that fodder. set dressing, all those signs, all that, everything. The clothing and everything. Yeah, there. all the clothing and everything. I think so. I have a couple of shirts that are part of somebody's somebody's fire. probably if you yeah. have any more old shirts always give them to your local washing well that's right or pants or whatever um it's always nice to put up on the line like we just got um the ladies of the scarlet pillow is a wonderful w- female group here at the oklahoma, oklahoma yeah. renaissance festival and they have um they're ladies of ill repute or wenches, working women, and they are so talented. They sing songs and they gig and they do the chessboard match. They have like just so many things that they do all day all long. All day long. All day long. And then at the at nighttime they get dressed or changed or sometimes stay in the same outfit and, and do even more that. stuff for the nighttime events. 
it's amazing how it's crazy this how much place they does use yeah. you know how much they utilize those those talented humans oh they're definitely a heavy part of the cast yeah and um and they do the smoker and the smoker is now on our stage and the smoker is a private 21 and up only ticketed event where um financially people pay five fifteen dollars they get a little pin and they get a cigar and they get a a beer um I don't even know if they give out cigars or if they sell cigars, so I'm wrong. I could be wrong on that. But I know they get a beer and they get a pin for doing the smoker. And there's a little, there's a MC and then, like a and, show. Yeah, and the ladies of the Scarlet Pillow MC it. Oh. So it's primarily Alice, aka Deb Billingsley, and um, anyway, one of the women of the Scarlet Pillow is uh, she plays Flora. And she wears yellows and whites. And um, she's had a pair of bloomers for me. I asked if they had any any attire that they wanted to donate, anything that was old or, you know, stained or hold or whatever that you're not using anymore. Please donate it to your local washing mill wenches. And she reached out and she was like, I have a pair of bloomers. I think it would be really cool. And I was like, I would love to have Flora's bloomers hanging on our line. That would nice. be really cool. That would be really sweet especially since they moved the smoker to our stage. Mm-hmm. And it was in the same space, but like a different stage, but really close before. But now it's on our stage. Oh, my God. And I so can just imagine she looks over. Hey, that's where I put them. Yeah. So she finally gave them to us this weekend. So they're up on our stage now. It's really, nice. it's really magical. So I don't know. I'm guessing people from the smoker have seen them already, but. Anyway, it'd be really cool if they if they do. So the and rest of my week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, the costumes would be Thursday. part of it. Uh, so usually about Wednesday is when I start thinking about the rest of the week and getting prepped for the weekend. Yeah. Um, so we uh, typically do rehearsal on Wednesdays. Uh, okay. If not, then definitely on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And in addition, we do a live stream on Thursday evening. So the, our rehearsal kind of butts into and, and a live has stream. to do with the live streaming. And where is that? Where can my <clears throat> listeners uh, catch that? Oh, is that a YouTube link? Is no, that currently a... we're on Twitch. Twitch, Twitch okay. Platform. So, so you'll give me uh, that Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Volgamut Live, which is W-O-L-G-E-M-U-T-L-I-V-E. Great. Volgamut Lives. And Great. that's the name of the show, Volgamut Live. Every Thursday on Twitch. Um, we've been doing that since the beginning of the pandemic. Fantastic. Which, you know, so we're in our fourth season now. Fantastic. Um, after the first season on Facebook, we switched to the Twitch platform. And um, we're having some success, but finding that Twitch is not necessarily the best platform for music. Mm. So uh, we're going to definitely finish out this season, uh, this year, mm-hmm. on Twitch. And then we're debating uh, trying out a different platform, possibly YouTube or something like that. Yeah. Um, don't know. But for now, we're on Twitch. Great. So twitch.tv slash Live every Thursday night, uh, 7 o'clock uh, Eastern. Okay. With, regardless, Great. Eastern Daylight or Eastern Standard, it's always 7 p.m. Eastern. Just okay. That's the time I picked. Blanket. And there it is. Well, and uh, occasionally we'll do uh, special things on Facebook. Uh, and and yeah, we've even done a couple of uh, like virtual gigs in the last couple of years. Cool. Where people hire us to like we did one for a uh, medieval music in the Dales, 
which is an English, a British um, early music festival. And, and because of the pandemic, they started doing a virtual version of it. And they, but now they still have the regular version too. And so we've contributed live streams for their thing. So we've technically performed in Britain, uh, but of cool. course it's the internet, so it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But they're the ones that organize it. That's cool. That's cool. We did another one for a group down in Argentina. Wow. We've done some stuff for people in New Zealand and Australia. And most recently we did um, some uh, performance for um, somebody in Hawaii. Wow. And they're like, can you? Uh, yeah, of course we can. And we try to do it as live as possible. Sometimes we have to video it. Uh, and we've gotten really good at, you know, making it... Uh, feel like a live stream even though it's it's videoed yeah. because like in the case of new zealand you know, the time zones were so crazy so it was easier for us just to do a video but we just presented it like our live stream that's and, sweet um and i remember one of the people comments that it felt like you guys were really live and i'm like yeah because we're not really good at <laughs> scripting and making you know, video shifts and everything like that you know we could have done all kinds of scenes and uh, no we just do a basic live stream which is similar to this, podcasting. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Um, so that's Thursday night, and then Friday, of course, is prep day for the weekend. Usually, that just means making sure everything is working. Uh, we may or may not do some rehearsal, depending on the weather. Uh, we want to make sure that all the gear is set, that there's no surprises, because we have a lot of gear, a lot of instruments, and the last thing we want is a surprise that, like, oh, wait, this is broken. Or this right, is not that would not be good. Yeah. So Have you ever had a cracked? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. sure. Uh, here, the, probably know. the most common thing we have go bad is uh, drum heads that break. Mm. You know, and, and actually, we were just talking about this. We've been really lucky, uh, but we just found out that one of our drum heads has a little divot in it, which means it's going to break soon. Oh, no. So preemptively, we're going to change it out next week. Okay. But drum heads break. Um, instruments get stepped on or messed with or uh, in the case of the bagpipes and the Roush pipe they have reeds the reeds are only last for so long and then you have to do it so I'm I'm constantly working on new reeds oh my gosh because if that one goes bad I need another one yeah so it's it's non-stop Uh, sticks we break a lot of sticks yeah Uh, we have instruments that just get beat up and and whatever yeah uh costumes of course too make sure the costumes are all set we wear a stylized version of a german renaissance costume known as a falton rock which means a folded skirt so it's kind of like a kilt mm-hmm. in, in the sense it's got a big skirt mm-hmm. um and they're colorful and uh but you know we need to make sure all everything's clean everything's maintained right little rips or anything like that although oh, they're getting pretty they're getting pretty shabby. And in fact, uh, yeah. Oh, that's another hat I need you to, to put on. Okay. Because I understand you do costuming. Sometimes, yeah. 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 So uh, we, should, we should talk about this. If, okay. you have, if you have a chance to do some costuming. Because I have a new costume that needs to be adjusted. I just huh. need it to be altered. Yeah. Um, sorry, we shouldn't. So, so folks at home, if you need any costuming work... <laughs> I'm don't almost, call Cassie. Yeah, don't call Cassie. She's going to be busy. She's on working on her podcast in between <laughs> rescue meetings. So. Uh, that's my week. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big week. Yeah. 
Let's back it up. Back in time to little five or six year old Michael. Where were you living at the time? Where, like, where'd you grow up? Where were you born? And where, where'd you? Well, I was born in Newport Beach, California. Oh, so you're a California boy. Yeah. Nice. So, right, so, so about four or five or six years old, what was your dream job? What did you want to be when you grew up? A bionic man. Just a bionic man? Yeah, because that was like... Because that was bionic. popular at the time. Oh, wait, you know what? That's probably... That's too early. Bionic man was probably more when I was eight or nine. So, because that came out in the 70s. I was born in 66, so let's see. When I was five? Yeah. I... I think if I, I probably wanted to be a cowboy because we kind of lived on a farm, uh, sort of. Okay. <laughs> Are you familiar with Norco? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the smell of Norco. Yeah. Uh, so oh, we, yeah. So I, I think, I don't even know how big it was. It was probably a tiny little piece of property, but maybe five acres or so. Okay. Which was huge you yeah. know, for California. For um, sure. And uh, we definitely had horses and cow we had a cow and some pigs and chickens and um i don't know why my dad was uh well because he grew up kind of on a farm so he always wanted to have a farm and he loved horses loved horses and he got that from his his father who was a horse person um so growing up we always had horses okay and all that stuff so i think at one point i probably wanted to be a cowboy because cowboys ride horses yeah they do and they sure do that was still early enough before I it was before I realized that cowboys were that the, the whole American West myth and all that yeah uh, is not as cool as people think it is <laughs> right Especially, it was definitely um, idolized a lot in in our youth yes and and yeah. uh, and still in in certain cultural segments of our culture it's, yeah. it has a yeah um, an allure uh, yes yeah. And uh, but and, and, you know the independent man and right and, exactly and, exactly and the reality is not like that no nope. <laughs> it's, it's very dependent you know. on your neighbors oh god yeah <laughs> and, yeah dependent um, on a very big family to help you out too and and of course most Americans tend to forget that it was very diverse too lots of Hispanics and then blacks and mm -hmm. others were, that were all part of the cowboy culture yeah. Uh, and they had to work together, and they because yeah. you know you're all by your lonesome out on the plains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the movies didn't help with that. No, they did not. But growing up, that's what I thought it was. It's just you and your cows moseying along. <laughs> well, and, that's what we were shown on Rawhide and yeah. whatnot. So this is why I prefer uh, Gunsmoke because oh, they act oh yeah. yeah, I love. Yeah. yeah, you ever listen to any old radio shows? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. so one of my favorite podcasts is an old-timey radio show thing cool. uh, of, of Gunsmoke. And that I have to admit, it's like one of the, considering when it was created and when it was made in the early 50s, it's pretty powerful. The writing was great. And they're taking on certain issues that I'm like, when the first, there's one where they're taking on uh, racism. Yeah, uh, wow. The uh, Chinese um, settler comes to town, Dodge City. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of trying to make some money so he can make go back to San Francisco so he can go home. He wants to go home. Yeah. And of course, the uh, the locals don't like him because he's different. Right. You know? And uh, it, it turns out he 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 had fought in the Civil War. He he was uh, uh, he had been a soldier for the for the uh, 
the union and had a citation and everything. But in the end, you know, he gets uh, the it gets to the point where he actually gets killed. Oh. Yeah, and then Marshall Dillon has to. Well, I, I don't know why we're talking about this, but I love that story. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, there, this is like 1952, 1953, and they're yeah. talking about racism, racism. And, and topics. And, 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 and yeah, I mean, even Star Trek explored that stuff too, exactly in, in a big way. And so, and so there's a part of me that's like, you know, I know that things have changed mm-hmm. dramatically. But there were, there are points in time where people were concerned about this, and people were yeah. writing about this, and people were were thinking about this. I, you know, I think about the tragedy of Orson Welles, who was this incredibly talented performer, who basically, yeah, just like he was awesome. Um, but he, like everybody else who was a performer in the 1930s, worked probably socialist or communist, and had a communist card. Um, because uh, you know that was what you did in the thirties, right, right. uh, or, or at least you weren't afraid of communism. You weren't afraid of socialism. Right. And so many performers, uh, you know, theater people, musicians, uh, dancers, everything like that, benefited from the social programs, uh, the Works uh, Project, right, uh, in the nineteen thirties. Uh, so of course they're like into socialist programs because. Right. That's what that was. Right. You know, we still have socialist programs. We just don't talk about them. You know, Social Security is a socialist program that was right. created. For sure. Uh, are we supposed to talk about politics? I don't know. <laughs> we I, weren't. Was that but on that's, the checklist? See, I told you. Yeah. It'll, well, it'll, this, we'll end up talking about it. It'll well, okay. it's, it's, that's the whole idea that we forget, that there were times in our, in our country, in our culture, where the, like the 1930s and, the, and uh, the New Deal and all these things that came out, they weren't just about putting people back to work. They were about preserving culturally what's going on. Yeah. And people either don't know or forget that the 1930s was a very dynamic period because of that. Mm-hmm. And Orson Welles came out of that period. And he created probably one of the most amazing movies ever made, um, Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. which to this day, like... That's He's still being referenced. Uh, oh, God, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. he literally wrote it, directed it, starred in it. Um, he did things that you nobody had ever done before in film because he didn't know any better. Right. He later, he was very clear about it. Said, I was ignorant of how films were made. I didn't want to make a film. They bugged me until I did it. And then when <laughs> I did, I signed a contract. He signed a contract that nobody would ever get nowadays. He mm-hmm. had complete artistic freedom, this, that, that. And you're not allowed to ask me how much it's going to cost. You know? Wow. Yeah. So yep. that's how we got Citizen Kane, though. Because yeah. here was a guy who, who was a phenomenal performer that had no idea how films were made. Right. Went in right. thoroughly ignorant and lucked out. The camera guy was great. Yeah. Yeah, his camera is, is director of photography, which I forget the name, but the guy was phenomenal and one of the top people in Hollywood and understood about lighting and all this different stuff. Right. And, and that's important. <laughs> and they had, they had great conversations because, of course, Orson Welles came from theater and whatnot. Anyways, he would not have been able to do these kind of things one night had it not been for things like the Works Project, the Works, uh, the WPA, the Works Projects yeah. Administration, um, which was a social program. Why do they go up in the Works Well? Oh, but then later he gets ostracized. He gets blacklisted. Charlie Chaplin gets blacklisted. All these people get blacklisted. McCarthy. Because of the, yeah, because of the communism. You were a communist. You signed yeah. up for communism. Well, everybody was communist. What's, right. right. Uh, so it's that weird thing that, uh, so I'm, I'm in a way, because a lot of people are like, 
oh, you probably would really would have enjoyed living in the 16th century. I'm like, hell no. Mm-mm. I would not have enjoyed it. I mean, God, oh. I, I like working in the 16th century, but I don't want to <laughs> actually live in the 16th century. Um, and I'm a big fan of old movies, and I'm a big fan of radio, old radio shows and whatnot. And people are like, oh, you must have, probably would have really enjoyed living in the 1950s. I'm like, no, probably no, not. No. Um, I'm very happy to be where I'm at right now because so many things are changing, and uh, mm-hmm. I think we're, you know, it's kind of exciting and scary at the same time what's going on. And my job, ultimately, my job is to help people um, have fun, explore themselves and enjoy themselves, come out for a day and uh, just uh, forget about... Yeah, the mundanity. Yeah. So let's get back to my my spinal questions. Do we skip over the five-year-old guy? No. I asked you what you were the... Yeah, cowboy. You said cowboy. Dream job, cowboy. So first job, what was the first job that you were paid for? Like actually got money Paper exchanged. Route, I think. Paper route? Paper route. All right. You're like and my I second or third. Or 12. Fantastic. Like 11 or 12. I mean, before that I'd done odd jobs for dad. Um, he would cut people's yards on weekends to make extra money and I nice. would ride along and, you know, rake or whatever. But... Um, Senior call, I didn't make much money. Though. <laughs> right. But he's very liberal with the uh, root beer floats. Oh, that's good. That's real good. <coughs> that's very important. Uh-huh. So, paper route, um, did you have any other jobs in high school? Yeah, yes. I, uh, like so many of my colleagues, went into fast food. What was uh, your fast food location? Let me uh, see how much we have to see. fight. Well, I see, I started when I was 15, and I don't know why. I, I think in the state of California, that it was 15, you could actually work. Yeah, you, you get can. a work yeah. permit. In Louisiana and Kansas, you can work at 14. <coughs> wow. Yeah. Um, Some other states, I'm sure, but those are the ones I have experience and knowledge of. But, uh, but yeah, California is 15. Right, so I got a work permit, and I could work at 15. Um, and I think it was a Dairy Queen. Ooh, DQ. Yeah. Nice. Um, I will not talk about the rest of that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You don't have to. Um, My then... equation to Dairy Queen is that when I was in elementary school, my stepfather came into the picture, and he and my mother, um, they had a they had a great relationship. They were both from South Jersey, and we would go to South Jersey to um, see family every once in a while and or or we lived there at for a time anyway we're in south jersey and we go to dairy queen in absecan and he tells me he admits to this 10 year old that he's never had a banana split well gosh darn willikers we're gonna get you a banana split we're gonna get a banana you have you've never Never, like, you know. Of course, as a kid, so was, everything was huge. And yo, uh, oh my gosh, mom, give me money. I'm gonna buy him a banana split. <laughs> you know, one of those. Uh, so I bought him his first banana split, and from then on, he never bought his own banana split. He would always have me buy him a banana split, and that was our thing banana split special yeah so nice. now 
every year on his birthday and on his death day, I have a banana split. No matter how I can do it, where I can go, what I need to do, I will get a banana split. Even if I'm making it at home, like I'll, I'll still make one and have one. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't Pretty have to be a DQ. It doesn't yeah. have to be a DQ. I took that off of my plate. Because if I stressed out about like, oh, it has to be a, then, yeah. you know, my only has to be is that it has to be a banana split. Nice. Yeah. So now I get a banana split twice a year. It's pretty great. And his birthday is in June, and his oh. death day was in December. So it's like exactly six months, Perfect. pretty much. Not exact, but pretty much six months from I got the last fired time. from that job, so I'm, I'm glad you can enjoy I have your a good, yeah, I've you have got a good, good, yeah, this yeah. is a good story. Yeah, well, I'm sorry uh, you got fired from that one. What else did, what other fast food did you work? Or I should say I got let go. I didn't actually get fired. I got let go. Yeah, I don't know happens. what the difference is, but... They were, I guess, downsizing or something. Right. One is malicious and the other one is right. like, I don't think well. it was malicious. I think it was just, yeah. Uh, let's see. And then the next one was fast food. And then I actually did a restaurant gig. And that's when I discovered that a lot of musicians do restaurant gigs. Yeah, sure uh, Especially in the college years. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I started learning how to cook. In fact, that was, yeah, probably when I was 17, 16, 17. Nice. Um, and I started doing prep cooking, and then I did regular cooking, and yeah, I've pretty much done everything as far as restaurant stuff. Um, but then I lucked out because by the time I got into college, I was actually making money as a musician. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, so I did my first paid gig when I was eighteen. Uh, let's see, I did what my first that? paid well, Renaissance Festival gig. I did when I was. 20. So what was your first paid musician gig? What did you have to do for that? Um, I got hired to play uh, in a brass quartet. Oh, nice. And it was for Easter services. So I was playing trumpet at the time. and uh, No, quintet. I was playing horn. So okay. French horn. And, uh, yeah, and so that was... Probably the first time I actually got paid to play music, and it was for an Easter service. That's pretty cool. And then I started doing Christmas gigs, and then I started doing other things, and you know, one thing led to another, and I was picking up little gigs. But the thing that really was uh, awesome is I started teaching too. I had like um, private teaching gigs that I was doing, and that was working well. So by the time I was in college, I wasn't. Not really doing anything other than like playing music or teaching music, mm-hmm. and um, and that was pretty good. Yeah, and so I've been working as professionally as a musician easily since I was twenty. Wow, that's really exciting. Just a couple of years. So, what was your first Renaissance gig? I uh, because I grew up in Southern California. I I remember going to the Southern California Renaissance Fair probably in eighty two, eighty three. Okay. Uh, and as a patron, and then in '84, I got hired when I was 18 uh, to sit in the glade and play the lute. Because uh-huh. yeah, I just, just bought a lute and was teaching myself how to play the lute, and they hired me. So I was technically on cast. I wasn't hired as a musician, but I was cool. portraying a musician. Yeah. Mr. William Laws, I remember. He was a lute player. What year was, was that? That would have been 84. 84. At Exciting. the old site. Yeah, the at old, old Ag- site. Agura. Agura. Yeah. Oh, in the old Agura days. Yeah, so that was my, cool. which means, this is 
2023, folks, which means next year is going to be 2024, which means 40 years of Red Bear. Oh, exciting. No, but I only did that for a couple of years, and then I, I did do the transition when they went out to uh, San Bernardino. Uh, I love the San Bernardino site. I mean, site. don't get me wrong. I hear stories about how great a girl was. I just wasn't in Los Angeles at that time yet, so I didn't ever get to experience uh, the, a, that magic. It was, yeah. But but my first SoCal fair, my first Renaissance fair, was the San Bernardino Glen Helen spot, That's and it. that was beautiful. It was a great site. Um, I remember uh, there was a two-story building that had a uh, swings, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was like it was a, a bridge over the walkway, and there were swings coming down from that with women in those swings swinging above your heads and hawking for whatever the show or right. whatever the booth was, right. you know, whatever that booth was i don't know what it was but it was great yeah Uh, that was really cool i remember they had this crazy stage that they built that was sort of like the globe stage or like Mm -hmm. a half round stage and that was when i got hired as a musician just to do musician and uh, i was the first time i did it i was um part musician part bully guy Mm -hmm. for the the the, they they used to do like uh, reduce shakespeare plays Cool. Uh, every year at, at Southern California. So I think mm-hmm. that year was Taming the Shoe or something like that. Nice. And uh, everybody's excited because the guy that was playing the lead role was an actual like Hollywood guy. Oh, nice. And uh, with some, he had some notoriety, or he, you know, people knew who he yeah. was, and yeah. he had decided that he wanted to be. Thing. And there was a lot of Hollywood people running around Southern California. That was that was kind of the fun thing about it. So yeah. I got to play a bunch of poly stuff and music and what uh, cool. it was great. Yeah, then, that's great. That's fantastic. And then I moved to San Diego. It was too far to drive. No. <laughs> well, I, I, so I did my, my, my education was uh, I actually did the first couple of years at a community college um, because, uh, let's, well, let's be brutally honest, I was a horrible student in high school. Horrible. Oh, right. Horrible. Okay. Horrible. Um, and looking back now, I realize that, uh, you know, it was not a great public high school, uh, but it wasn't terrible. Um, but I was bored. I was just right. bored out of my gourd. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until I got out of high school and suddenly I'm like, I really wanted to do music. So wait, but I screwed up and I, there's no way I'm going to be able to go to a four-year university. So, oh, wait, I can go to, in, in California, you can go to community college and then transfer into a university. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody can do it. Um it's it's one of those things they never talk about because right. <laughs> you really don't need those SATs and all the other stuff. And, right. And look at this. It's a fraction of the cost to go to a community college. Imagine that. And like, yeah, it's like. And so I wish I, I had gone to a community college when I was younger. I wish I was told about it. You yeah. Know? And I think pretty much every state in the United States has that same kind of setup. You can go to the community college and then transfer into yeah. a four-year university, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's a state school. Um, and they can't say anything. Okay? Right. It's like, cause you, as long as you keep your grades up and as long as you, you know, like I literally came out of the community college with a 3.9 or something like that. Wow. Um, oh yeah. It turns out I actually. You are smart. I, well, yeah. you know, Applied. years of people telling me I was a dummy didn't help. <laughs> right. Um, 
But I really wanted to study music. And once I got into the community college, I'm like, wow, this is great. Yeah. And, I, and I had to work hard because I was not prepared. You know, right. I, so I had to work really hard. But it was great because those two years gave me a lot of time. And then I was able to transfer to San Diego State. And then that's when my butt really got kicked because then I was like, oh, man, community college. Oof. Oof. But it was it was a big step. But I did great, and I ended up, uh, I forget what my GPA was, but it was definitely three points something. Nice. Seven, I think. Nice. Um, because I had to, I think they told me, if you want to go to graduate school, you have to have a 3.2 or something like that. Right. Okay. And I, and I did. I thought, you know, I really wanted to do that. That's why I went huh. to Europe, was to go to graduate school. Wow. Yeah. So... So what jobs did you have in college? Were you oh, primarily musician or were you just doing... More teaching. More teaching. Yeah, I think okay. teaching was how I made most of my money. I did do gigs. Uh, I lucked out and very early on in San Diego. I met some people and I was able to do some uh, early music gigs, uh, local stuff. Uh, I also got into musical theater. Oh, my goodness. What a crazy world that yeah, is. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I got hired to be a pit orchestra thing, and I actually got to direct a couple of times, too. Nice. And so, like, during the summer, like, I was the summer stock theater scene in San Diego was pretty good. So I would get hired to do musical theater orchestra in the summer, and that was a pretty good gig. Um I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and then I joined the military. Oh. I completely forgot about oh that. Oh, my gosh. You're what did like, you do? You're telling me, like, ah, how did you earn money? So before I started community college, I realized I had no money. I had no support. My parents uh, just didn't, couldn't help me out. Yeah. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't against the idea, but, you know, they had seen me go through high school not doing particularly well, and they weren't going to. And, like, and, and neither one of them had a college degree, so they didn't understand um, why, why you was, needed it. Yeah, yeah, why you need it. Because you know, they were both, you know, uh, blue collar workers doing really well. Yeah. And so, they, yeah, the, the idea of education, it wasn't that we were against it, they just didn't understand why it was right. important. Right. And why do you need it to be a musician? Well, because I want to study music, I want to study it. Right. And they're like, right. okay, well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I was thinking of my options and what I was doing, and I was working some dead-end job just to make money to pay for the rent and everything, trying to figure out how I could go to community college to make it all work. Mm -hmm. And I think I saw a poster or something about that uh, for the National Guard, and we'll give you money to go to college, you know, the GI Bill. That's pretty great, yeah, thing. yeah. So I went to the National Guard recruiter, and he's like, so what are your skills? What are you doing? And I said, really just music. And they go, you're a musician. I said, yeah. What do you play? Trumpet. Hmm. And you're studying in college. And so I'm starting in the fall. Oh, would you like to audition for the the band? Yeah. And I said, you can do that? He goes, yeah, we have a we have a band, I yeah. think. You know, yeah. and he had to look up all the codes the, and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, the military band for sure. And he says, now, uh, Cammie, can you promise you have to go do an audition with them? If they say good to go, then you can do it. Wow. Like, okay. So I remember two things. They put me on a bus. They paid my bus ticket. I had to go to Los Angeles. That's where the band was, Los Alamitos. Uh, and I remember my first time eating an MRE was because they—that's what they fed me for lunch. Yeah. You know, it's one of those. Of course. M meals. Yeah. Yeah. MRE meal ready, ready eat. eat. Yeah. yeah ready meal to eat. ready to eat. Yeah. Eat this now. Yeah. And Which is like, like little packets, and you you this. open a thing. There's a 
There's a butane can sometimes if you get to they heat don't do it that up. Anymore. Okay. You no, know, you're supposed to put it in your armpit to warm it up. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny because it's just when they were going from K rations, which were the old ones, which were the cans and the all that stuff. I mean, people forget K, canned food that was developed for for military and military yeah. use, and then it's like, oh, civilians like, hey, we can can food. Yeah. yeah, Campbell's Soup made a lot of money in the Second World sure War. Sure did. A lot of money, <laughs> sure a lot of soup. Did. Um, so uh, MREs were the new thing, you yeah. know, and uh, the fact that everything's there and you even get like, you know. Uh, like um, a little hot sauce, yeah, little, little packet. Yeah, Tabasco packet yeah. and whatnot. And usually there's some kind of dessert thing and there's a little bit of freeze-dried coffee. And like, it's literally it's a complete meal. 3,000 calories in that package. Right, yeah. Yeah. And just like so, you could live on one meal a day easily. Right. right. Anyways, that's what I remember: is my bus ride and that. And I went and did the audition, and apparently I was good enough that they said, "Yeah, we'll bring you in." Wow. Okay, what do I do next? Well, now you have to go to basic training. I said, no. "What do you mean basic training?" It's like you're a soldier first, and then you play music. Right. So you have to go to basic training. I'm like, oh, okay. So I signed up, did the thing, wow. and I went to basic training. Uh, it would have been '86, I think. So and wow. I remember it was cold, so it was probably like, I think February or March 86. And I went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, huh. is where I did my basic training. And it was two months of, you know, all that right. stuff. And uh, I, I did okay. Basic is basic. And I think I figured out it's just like a game and you just got to do the things that they want and everything's fine. Right. And turns out I was actually really good at shooting. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because they kept saying, hey, you want to do that? And so everybody has to qualify on your weapon. Right. Uh, and you have to do all the all that stuff. It's yeah, you've like got to clean it. You've you've gotta, seen, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all true. You have Full to metal jacket. I've watched it. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then, they, of course, they're breaking you down physically, too. Like, so you're constantly doing push-ups, right. sit-ups, all that stuff. They're breaking you down because, you know, we're a bunch of skinny kids. And, right. Uh, and by the end of it, you're just like, ah. Yeah, so two months of nonstop, and you're exhausted the whole time. Yeah. And you're hungry the whole time, too. I remember yeah. being hungry all through basic. Oof. And then I get to the end of it, and I graduate basic training. And the next day, literally, they put me on a bus to go across base where I do my advanced training. <laughs> In oh, the wow. band, so my advanced oh. training was on the same base, in in the the band that was stationed on the base, and but now I'm a private, you know, and I was a PFC actually, and um, everybody's treating me like normal. I'm like, hey, it's cool, hey, and the, and I literally see the people, the, my drill sergeants in the mess hall, and they're like, hey, how you doing there? It's, they used to call me Michael Jackson because they knew I was in the band. Oh, then they're like, oh there's Michael Jackson. He's playing in the band. <laughs> So just the day before, they were all like, you know. Yeah, yelling at you yeah, and telling and, you that you're dirt. And now but, they're like, hey. Yeah, and they all came up and they said, you know, well, now you're a soldier. Right. And you got right. out of basic, you're now a soldier. So yeah, good job. Just don't screw up. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so I did. Cool. And I did six years in the California National Guard. Wow. Uh, so I was a reservist. I was never active. I was activated twice, but I was never active duty. Um, and in fact, that's a fascinating story. Because I wanted to go active duty. In fact, I went through OCS, Officer Candidate School, to become a second lieutenant. And I was going to go active duty. But that all happened literally right after the wall fell in Berlin. Oh, wow. So suddenly, uh, you probably don't know this, but 
Oh yeah, maybe maybe you were old I, enough. I was old enough, but yeah. but go ahead and because not everybody listening would have known about it. Well, here's so here's the story, kid. So I wanted to be I wanted to go full time into the army to make a military career as an officer, and I had that wow. opportunity through the California National Guard to do it. So I was going through a pro, even though I was enlisted, I was going through an officer school because I was. You know, it was in college, and so yeah. that's all that I was qualified for. Yeah, a lot of people do ROTC, which is what they do it while they're in college. I was doing this because I was already enlisted, so mm-hmm. I didn't have to go through all the other stuff. And I thought, you know, this is this, I'm I'm pretty good at this stuff, and I'm good. And not only that, I'd love to go back and be a band officer, and you know, and keep going and whatnot. Yeah. But then the wall fell. The yeah. Berlin Wall fell in. Uh, October, no, no, November of 89, and within less than a year, the Soviet Union fell apart. So the number one menace on the planet was now gone, yeah. okay? um, which meant immediately after that, they started talking about the peace dividend and drawing down troops. In other words, we don't have to maintain the military that we had. Okay? Right. We had this massive military because we're expecting to have to go to war with Russia. Yeah. Well, now they're gone. And the Soviet Union is gone. We won, so now we can draw all this down, and now there's going to be a peace dividend. But that also means that if you're just starting your career in, in the military, it's a bad time because oh, people are going to get booted out. Yeah, you know, they're drawing yeah. down their levels. So everybody I talked to, from all over there, like, like now if you go back as an if you go back as a non-com, if you go back as an enlisted person, they'll probably keep you, but they're not going to keep officers. Wow. And so it was like the absolute worst time to try to join the military as an officer. And I'm like, oh, Jeez. man, but that's like, that was kind of my plan. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so instead, I pivoted and decided to uh, do a graduate degree in music and go to, to Europe. Wow. And the whole thing going to Europe was kind of crazy uh, because uh, I was literally walking around across the campus and i just gotten out of this conversation with one of my uh, professors saying I, I, my my idea for becoming an officer is not going to happen. And he's like, good, you would have been horrible at it. I'm like, great. <laughs> As a, Thanks. I, I go, but I'm thinking about doing graduate school. And he goes, that, I, th- I can see that. And he, he's like, um, what's your second language? Well, we started talking about this. And then he said, what's your second language? I said, kind of German. I mean, I took two years of German and I could speak a little bit and whatnot. Yeah. He goes, yeah, that's going to be a problem because you really have to nail a foreign language or two especially if you're doing music and musicology. Oh. Oh, man. So I'm literally walking across campus after this conversation. And wow. And science says, learn a foreign language in a foreign country. Wow. And, and the California State University had this program set up where they would ship you overseas to various uh, countries and universities to study in the actual universities. And wow. That's um, so cool. Very intensive program. And yeah. in the cool thing is that my scholarships and my grants and everything worked for it. So I still had to provide some of my own money, but for the most part, it was paid. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. It was exciting. It seems like a thousand years ago now. But that's what got me into Germany. And that's what yeah. got me into German bagpipes. That's what's got me sitting here right takes now. takes us right here. Right now. So we talked about your first job and your dream job. As a musician, you've probably played a lot of odd jobs. <laughs> but also, if a musician is your primary, you probably had other jobs to supplement your income. Um, Maybe? Not no? Really. You just have always been, been a very, musician? 
Well, I've been pretty That's lucky. That's pretty cool. Uh, That's good. Uh, there are periods, though, obviously, like when the pandemic hit and all the gigs dried up and everything yeah. was down, um, I pivoted to live streaming. Right, and doing but that's that. still a musician. But I was still doing music. Right, and uh, that's great. Um, so before what, that, I mean, I consider my teaching part of also my musical mission. Okay. So I don't really think of it as something separate, but I have done a lot of teaching, teaching and workshops, and I don't usually get paid very much for that. So I don't really think of it as part of my income stream. Okay. Uh, let's so see. so what has been? Let me ask a better question think. then. What has been the oddest musical job that you've had? Oh. What's the oddest gig that you've ever done? Something just came to mind. I know it did. I know, but I don't think I want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. I guess I could. I'm trying you can to... also say it without naming any names, possibly. Well, okay, here's the deal. So I ended up in Germany. I'm studying there. I discovered the German bagpipe. I didn't know it existed before then. I get my hands on one, I start playing it, I'm fascinated with it. Uh, and very quickly I get approached to play in a group. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, okay, so now I'm actually playing, right? And uh, it turns out I was the only musician in the group. In other words, a trained musician. Everybody else were more like folk musicians who are self-taught, you know. Oh, and yeah. When I, so nobody read music, nobody did. Uh, I got a copy of a, a hand-me-down East German cassette with some tunes on it, and I was supposed to learn it from that. Oh, wow. You didn't have any music or anything like that. I'm like, okay. So this got kind of weird really quick, and then the very first gig I did with them was for Walpurgisnacht, which Walpurgisnacht, which just happened, uh -huh. uh, is the night before May 1st. Oh, okay. okay? So that so night. So April 30th. Yes, so Walpurgisnacht, but it goes the whole night, so it's not just April 30th. It's got like, it. Got Walpurgisnacht. From and Sunset dust, to, yeah, dust to dawn. Dust to dawn. And that's that's the important thing. So in Germany, uh, the 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 thing of Walpurgisnacht is that that is the night that the the spirit world is that it, it's closest to us, or it's you know it's the thinnest. Oh. Um, very similar to Halloween or All Hallows Eve and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but in Germany, it's there, and there's lots of traditions around it. The, one of the most prevalent one is that on that evening, that is the evening that the witches return to this one spot, which is considered uh, kind of mystical for them, and they commune with the devil. Okay, and this is a tradition that goes way back, and it probably has pagan. You know, yeah. uh, sayings, but Christians, of course, took it and turned them into witches and devils and whatnot. And in modern German society, of course, they make a party out of it. Of course. Okay? So it's Why kind not? Of, it's like part Mardi Gras, part kind Halloween. Of like, kind of like Beltane. Kind of Beltane and whatnot, yeah. but definitely like a big party. And specifically, you want to be on the Brocken, which is the highest peak in mid Germany. Okay. So there's this whole mountain range, the Thuringian Mountains, and there's this one peak, the Brocken, and by according to legend, that's where the witches come back to dance and commune with the devil. And Goethe wrote a whole uh, uh, play about it. Cool. Um, and there's there's lots of you know, especially in the 19th century, yeah. uh, stories or poems about the the Brocken and whatnot. Anyways, so I got hired for this gig. Yeah. 
to, and I'm, I'm now playing with this band, which I've only just gotten the cassette, so I only have just, just started learning. And I had a little Walkman, and I'm listening to all uh, and trying to figure out the tunes because there's no notation whatsoever. Oh, my gosh. And I'm playing on an instrument that I've only been playing on for maybe less than a year. Wow. Okay, so I'm proficient, but I'm not. But like, you're not a master not by any means. Not at all. Yeah. And not only that, turns out the instrument I'm playing on is horrible. It's not a good instrument to begin with. Oh, no. Didn't matter. Uh, and then on top of that, the guy leading the group gives me a big sham, which is, you know, it's like an oboe on steroids. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm supposed to play this too. He goes, oh. Can you play this? I'm like, I'm sure I can figure it out. <laughs> and I had a recorder, and I had my medieval fiddle, oh, and, my gosh. Uh, and so, and then now I'm on a train going to this gig, and I get there, and it's crazy. And this is '95. Oh my 96. gosh! So it's only about four or five years after the wall fell, and we're in East Germany. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you can tell it's East Germany. Yeah. It's not the same as West Germany. And right. the people are not quite sure what to do. But then there's all these West Germans that show up and want to party and they want to have a big thing. And it turns into a big party. Yeah. And kind of, you know, like I said, like part Mardi Gras, part Burning Man. They have giant bonfires everywhere. Wow. They keep throwing things on the bonfire. And wow. uh, throughout the day, I'm playing music with a couple other musicians and it's fine but then as it gets closer to midnight that's when the spectacle starts and yeah. all i remember is that i was given a costume that looked a lot like a penis and i was supposed to wear this and play the sham and <laughs> i looked around and there's lots of genitalia costume coming out all right and it's all part of the the, the festival yeah mm -hmm. it's I think it was the craziest thing is me running around in a penis costume playing an instrument I could, had just been given to yeah. play and was still proud of the fact that I made a noise on it. <laughs> and I don't know if I played the tunes right, but I made a, I made sounds yep. and I survived. Good and, job. Uh, and got paid to be a performing penis. <laughs> that is definitely an odd job. That's the weirdest one. Yeah, that's pretty weird. That's yeah, everything weird. else seems pretty normal compared yeah. to that. I was trying to think, what's the weirdest job I've ever done? But, yeah, uh, musicians. That pretty much takes the cake. Yeah, there's a lot of. Have you had any passion projects, the stuff that you don't get paid for that um, you Yeah, like, it's called I've... being a dad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a dad. You're a papa. Yeah. Um, that is definitely a passion project. It is a passion project. Um... I'm trying to think if there's anything I've done. So, well, I mean, I did. There was uh, there were a couple projects I did. In, in, so the weird thing when I got to Germany, I was still in classical education mode. Mm -hmm. In other words, I was a I was a musician and I'd studied music and I had a degree in music and now I'm working on another degree in music and I had a degree in education and there's mm -hmm. I have so much education and, and uh, you know I studied. Uh, French horn and I, you know, a classical musician, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So then I go to Germany and then. Here's this penis costume and <laughs> here, grab this well, stick I, with a reed in it and good I get luck. really 
excited about this instrument and and just the i never heard a bagpipe like that you've heard our big bagpipes right yeah okay there's nothing like them i right. mean the highland bagpipes a completely different animal our mm-hmm. bagpipes are like oh it's something so i remember that feeling when the first time i heard it it's like my brain just went you know mm-hmm. and like oh my god i've got to play this thing i gotta mm-hmm. i gotta get one i gotta figure out how to play it i'm gonna play this thing because mm-hmm. um, I'd already been into early music, and in fact, technically, that's why I was doing the German thing, so I could study musicology. Right. And I knew I wanted to do something in early music, because musicology is basically everything, mm-hmm. you know, the study of music. But I wanted to do early music. So that's why I was in Germany. I was to learn German and, and connect with musicologists. And then I heard this German bagpipe, and my, yeah. uh, that was it. Oh man, my brain just went, went kind of completely. Um, I lost my train of thought. Passion, passion, passion. Projects. right? Oh, so then um, I did my first year in the University in Tübingen, which is in the south, and then I got an offer to go to the University of Leipzig, uh, which at that time still had the title of Karl Marx University. It had oh. been renamed during the East German period; it had been renamed to Karl Marx Universität. Wow! So I was attending Karl Marx's university, <laughs> cool. but not really. The, right, historically, right. it was the University of Leipzig, and uh, actually changed back to that while I was attending there. Wow! Um, so I was still academically grounded. I was mm-hmm. still doing this, but at the same time, I'm coming into contact with German bagpipes. Uh, the kind of the Renaissance Fair idea of Germany. Okay, but they don't really do Renaissance there. They do medieval because right. the Renaissance is, I don't know how much you know about German history. The Renaissance is not a good time in German history mm. um, because of that whole Protestant Catholic thing. Right. There's so, a whole bunch of religious nonsense that was happening. And uh, in war. Yeah. <laughs> so Germany really did not have that golden Renaissance like England did. Right. Or, or you know, possibly Italy or France or whatnot. Germany's golden period was much earlier, in the 12th and oh. 13th century. Okay. Um, the rise in the, like the solid Middle Ages, um, because that's when many of the, the towns, which we know now, the most famous towns, they were founded during that period. Oh, okay. okay so, uh, or were older even. Um, but like uh, Nuremberg, Munich, um, uh, Berlin, all these different towns, that's mm-hmm. when they became towns. Okay. So that's kind of their golden age. They're, they had a golden age of music, poetry literature just like everywhere else yeah but yeah. for them it was much earlier than uh, than the renaissance yeah so uh, so the markets there the medieval markets were medieval in theme and it just so even today if you go there they they're not really into renaissance fairs but they are into medieval markets and there's a whole scene there and that's what i kind of fell into is this thing literally because i'm at the i'm studying in Leipzig and there was a medieval market on the marketplace in Leipzig. Oh wow. So I, like I couldn't I literally stumbled into it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's these guys playing these German bagpipes. I'm like, there's those German bagpipes again. Oh my gosh, you know, and uh but here I was studying musicology and of course the academic view of this kind of music was very hoity toity. Mm-hmm. They didn't come right out and condemn it, but they obviously weren't having any of it right and if you're going to do musicology you have to do proper musicology and of course if you're in leipzig that means bach because that's oh, where bach was that's active. where bach is from uh, he or was that's where he was active, active okay and that's where he's buried oh yeah and he spent 23 years there and so leipzig is the place is bach. that's bach town 
Well, right. that's but that's you know that's much later than what I was interested in. So, but I did a lot of Bach research. I did a lot of Bach stuff. My so my passion project. Mm-hmm. I forgot what we were actually talking about. Yeah, passion, passion project. So there were, I had an opportunity while I was there to put on a play slash musical about Renaissance dancing. Oh, with in conjunction with the uh, the. Um, Theater Collegium, which was so it's a weird thing in in Germany. The if you're going to be a musician, a theater, uh, an actor, uh, a dancer, or whatnot, you don't go to university. Mm. You go to a collegium. You go to a, a conservatory. Oh, okay. What we would think as a conservatory. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, why waste your time learning academics when you want to do this? Right. Okay. Now there's some academic involvement, but not at the level that you do at the university. Gosh, I wish I was in school there. <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's that amazing. That would have been and, so much better for me. Well, and think about like the musicians and the people that come out of Europe. That's I mean, it's a high level. I mean, I treated my college career like it was a conservatory. Yeah. I, I barely took any of the main, like I took as much rudimentary as I possibly could of right. the core. I took as few of those as possible. And I, but, and I maxed right. out my my theatrical and my acting and all that. And that's the thing, you're trying to jam so much into that, those years. So here I was like blown away that, oh my gosh, you know, and I knew about the conservatory thing, but I did not realize it was that separated. Yeah. Because they wouldn't let me perform. Yeah, (laughs) well, in the United States, I think we only have Julian. uh, Juilliard. Juilliard. There's also Eastman, which is in Rochester. We have Oberlin, which is in Ohio. And then a half dozen other ones. Oh, okay. Those are the big three that I could think. Oh, what's the one in Boston? There's one in Boston. Too. I don't know. So we have these conservatories here, but okay. um, really Juilliard. I've only so. ever heard of Juilliard. Yeah. So. Um, the that's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, we'll save that for our next podcast. All right. So passion project. You were asked to create this. No, no, I I lucked out. I met these people who were studying at the conservatory, Mm -hmm. musicians, whatnot, and other students who were interested in early music. But more importantly, they were interested in dancing. Mm. And I happen to know all these Renaissance dances. And there's this book uh, called Orchestrography, which is in this, it's a dialogue between a student and a master. And the master is teaching the young man the dances. It's a classic way of writing a book. You know, huh. dialogue. Yeah. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun to actually make like a play out of this dialogue between our, these two people? Of course. And then demonstrate great. the dances, almost like like a, a, a fadeaway into the dancing. Yeah. And have live music and everything like that. And I was sitting around talking about this so with a couple fun. of students. And they're like, yeah, we can do that. And I'm like, how do we do that? Oh, they'll give us money to do it. I'm like, what? Yeah, we Sign just we go to the student council and ask to present our idea, and they'll yeah. give us money. You know, and if they don't, we can still do it. Yeah. And and then the next person's like, yeah, I have a friend who's in the theater uh, oh conservatory, gosh. and blah blah blah, and we can. I'm sure they can help us with costumes. I'm like, huh? Okay. Ooh. Yeah. So the thing wow. is, all the things that would be like negative things here were yeah. not negative things there. And wow. suddenly, within like an hour, we had a whole outline of this and whatnot. And they're like, so where's the play? I'm like, uh, I have to go write it. <laughs> yeah. I have to go like... put it together now. <laughs> oh, okay, we'll be back tomorrow. When you have the music and everything, I'm like, I, I, I'll be back tomorrow. So I literally oh went home gosh. and stood up all night long and put together this packet wow. of, of 
for this whole thing. And then we went and presented it. And they're like, sure, here's some money. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of money, it was, but it was, I don't know, like five, six hundred dollars. Enough to marks. handle the, yeah. the tasks. It was enough for us to, and then we used a, a student building for, mm-hmm. the, for the presentation, which actually was a 16th century building. Wow. <laughs> it's actually, it was part oh. of the fortifications around the town. And so now it's a student, they, the, like basically a student union building. Beautiful. And we got to use that. It was great. Had big vaulted ceilings and everything like wow. that. So we put on this play. And I think we did two performances of it. And wow. uh, it was free of charge. Because that was one of the things with them giving us the money. We couldn't charge people. Right. So we didn't make any money on it. Right. But it was great. And then both performances were packed. Because, of course, everybody performing had their friends and everything right, like right, that. Right, right, right. And we actually ended up with this actor who was well-known in Leipzig uh, being our old guy. Wow. Yeah. He was pretty cool. Um <laughs> He was pretty cool. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, and his he ended up bringing the young guy to. Be, so we had this two actors that were actually doing the play. One's the older master, and then there's the younger student. Uh, and we literally had two professional actors doing those roles, and I was blown away. And I'm like, this is like really good. Yeah. Um, and of course, I had to try. Not only did I, not only did I had to write the thing, I had to translate it into German because the original is in French, and my French is horrible. So I had oh to give it French gosh. into English into German. Oh. To get, it was, oh man, it was crazy. <laughs> I learned so much from that project. I'm I sure learned, you did. And it was an incredible experience and to work with very high level professional people. Yeah. It's the first time I'd ever worked with like professional actors. Yeah. And we had a person who was a costume design student who helped us and provided phenomenal. all the costumes just phenomenal. from the state theater. Wow. We just literally walked in and they're like, here. Do know. you have access to that script or that God, no. concept? That's or, all. I mean. I mean, I still have a, I think um, I have a, a basic. I later did it again in English. Um, uh, it was not even as close to as cool because I tried doing it here. Yeah, I would think that would be perfect for a Renaissance fair, like because there's a lot of there's a lot of guilds. Like I could think of um, the Country Garden Dancers in SoCal Festival, for example. They were really good about having a show where you're you're teaching the the dances of the time, and they they did their own version of that. But it wasn't quite the same, you know. They they took it in a different direction. But wow, that would be that would be so magical. We've talked about passion projects. We've talked about some odd jobs, um, side hustles. I think that kind of covers a lot of different musician, no, musical things, different bands that you've been in. Uh, yeah, it's, merch. You sell merch. We sell some merch. We're actually mm-hmm. upping our merch game this year because nice. CD sales have dropped off. Yeah. So you know, ten years ago, CD sales were great. 20 mm-hmm. years ago, they were fantastic. Right. Now they're almost non-existent. Right. So if we're going to keep uh, utilizing some kind, having some kind of additional revenue stream, um, merch is the obvious thing. I right. just have never been a big fan of doing merch. So it's I, I'm, I'm trying not to resist it. I'm trying to embrace it. <laughs> yeah. It's this bold new adventure. Um, but a lot of has changed over the last couple of years because uh, with the pandemic, I took some time to reevaluate my whole brand. You yeah. know, so my brand is my band, and my band 
Well, my band is my brand, and my brand is my business. Hmm. So they, I yeah. a little separation there. Sure. So the and so the brand suddenly became the fulcrum point between those two things: band, business, and that it had been missing before that. Okay. Now, I was not really thinking about brand. I was like, here's my band. I got to make it awesome, and then the business side will take care of itself. It's not true. That's not true. So yeah. since the pandemic, I've spent way more time on the branding idea and the business stuff. Nice. Because that's all I had. I didn't yeah. have a band. You know, yeah. if you're not playing, are you really a band? No, not really. Right. Um, I also took some time to uh, learn more about my business and where it's going and what's going on. I took some time to learn more about music production mm-hmm. and obviously video production because it's all part of the marketing and that led to streaming and all those things. Yeah. So streaming is kind of in my side hustle. It earns a little money. It doesn't earn a lot, but it does earn some money. Mm-hmm. And we basically fold it right back into production. So right. equipment of and everything. Costuming, all that. Everything. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, other side hustle things? Uh, you know, not, not really. Uh, the only exciting thing that's happened over the last couple of years is people, other musicians, are finally calling me and saying, hey, are you free to play in my group? Cool. Um, because for so long, my identity has been t- so tied up with the group, Volgamoot, mm-hmm. people don't think of me as an individual, like, musician. <laughs> right. And so I've actually gotten to, uh, the opportunity to play with other musicians on oh, their fun. projects. And, or at an actual gig. Like last year, I got to play at Texas Renaissance Festival with another band. Fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, and I made money, and then I thought, this is great, because I'm not the guy in charge. I can <laughs> yeah. show up and just do my thing. For and, sure. Um, I had a lot of fun doing that gig. So I would love to do more side hustle gigs like that. Yeah. Uh, it's just hard because our schedule is so packed. Right, And right. this year, Volgamoot is working at Texas Renaissance Festival, so I can't do that gig again. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> I'm also working at TRF oh, this year. There you go. Uh, I am part of No Parchment, or I'm sorry, uh, Sound and Fury, which is a three-man comedy troupe, and I am, uh, I play guy number two. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, that's exciting. Well, look forward to spending some time hanging out at Just I'll just be there two weekends, but, uh, I mean, that's better than no weekends, so. Uh, Yeah. 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 Pretty fun. In Um, five to ten years, where do you see yourself? Are you still doing the same path, or Let's is that see. A- I'm 55, 56. Here's the thing about musicians <laughs> I learned a long time ago. You never really retire. Right. If you are a working musician, you work. You work as much as you can. You work for as long as you can. And then you die, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And uh, if you think about all the jazz musicians or classical musicians or anybody, of, you know, not even the greatest ones, just like the regular guys. Yeah. They just keep working. Work, 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 work. What else are you going to do? I mean, right. Playing music is one of the most amazing things I, you can you can do. Okay? You, you do it with other people. You can do it in different ensembles. You can do it in different configurations. You can learn a whole new instrument. You can learn a whole new genre of music. Yeah. Um, I am excited because I think I'm going to get a new instrument just because I'm excited about this other genre of music and this instrument specific to it. Cool. Uh, so I'm constantly having fun exploring new interest, uh, new instruments. And then if I'm like, eh, it's not really what I want to do, then I pass it on or I 
get rid of the instrument and do something different. Nice. Um, so I think musicians are unique in that sense that we don't really think about retirement. <laughs> we don't think about yeah. whatever. And Not necessarily retirement. Just do you see yourself doing the exact same thing or? Uh, well, God, I hope not. You know, uh, it's weird because the band's been around for 25 years. There are songs that we play now that we've always played. Mm-hmm. There, are, but we're constantly looking for new stuff. Yeah, there are bits that we do now that we've done, been doing for 20 years. Okay? Yeah, and I bet we're just bringing back a new a bit that we haven't done for a while. Uh, simply because I said, you know, I think it's time to bring that bit back. Yeah, and they're like, oh yeah, it's a good bit. You know, you go through all your catalog of bits, you go through your catalog of tunes and whatnot. And then, of course, the, ideally, you constantly want to be finding new music or creating new music or finding new things. Um, and we just kind of outlined our plan for the upcoming year and what we want to do musically. And now it begins the real work of finding the tunes, doing the arrangements, doing the rehearsal. But that theoretically, by next year, we can have a whole new set of music that will lead into a recording project or other project or something like that because recording is weird now because people aren't really making cds anymore you're not making albums anymore right uh what the modern model is that you do a song you record it you release it a right? single yeah single 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 singles yeah. and it all goes up on the internet and mm-hmm. then eventually if you have enough then maybe you put out a, a, an, a album CD, of that. an album or something mm-hmm. like that but why wait when you can just start doing that. Yeah. We've had trouble adapting to that. And mostly it has to do with our schedule and the way, uh, you know, we're at this gig and then this gig and this gig. I mean, Travel when, and all that. When yeah. we're on the road, we're on the road. And, of course, our seasons are long. Yeah. You know, um, we started end of January this year. Wow, exciting. Yeah. Uh, it, we had a couple weekends off in February, but then March, April, that was Sherwood. Now we're in Oklahoma. We didn't mm-hmm. get a break between those shows. Right. Uh, then we're going up to New York and don't get a break for those shows. Right. I think our first break, actually, we get one weekend in June. And I told the guys we're going to take that weekend off. We're not going to, I'm not going to try to book a gig. And they're like, yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> and then we have Sterling. Uh, and then we get one weekend off between Sterling and Maryland. And the same thing, even though we had an offer for that weekend, I said no. I yeah. wanted that way. It's my birthday weekend. So oh, I, yay. Exciting. Just because Sterling and Maryland, the way it works out, I almost always get that weekend off. So That's I cool. I kind of wanted it for myself. Yeah. It's also my last time, the chance to hang out with my kids before they go back to school. Mm. So, um, That's yeah. That's pretty cool. That's the yeah. weekend that cool. I insist on taking off. Um, otherwise, then it's Maryland and then right into TRF and boom, boom, boom. And so we will not be done with our season until the end of November. Yeah. And this year I'm trying to organize some Christmassy type gigs in the Austin area because that's where we'll be at the cool. end of this whole Great. crazy season. I hear Which, Texas on the Strand, or Dickens on the Strand, strand. is uh, a that's thing. Something, uh, yeah, that's one of the gigs that I'm thinking about. Um, there's also, I'm so I guess this is my current side hustle. I'm trying to figure out how to get corporate gigs in the Austin area for Christmas. Yeah. Because there's a lot of money in Austin as far as corporations, and you have Tesla, and you have Google, and you have a bunch of other big Mm -hmm. companies that have now set up shop there. And they've all got money for Christmas, and they all want to have big Christmas parties. Yeah. I want to get in on that. 
Great. Because I hate sitting on my butt in December. <laughs> yeah. I'd much rather do a gig. <laughs> For sure. So that's what I'm spending time now okay. thinking side hustle wise is how to get more of those kind of gigs. Yeah. Because the thing about rent fairs is, um, you know, you sign a contract, you know you're going to be in one space for six weeks, eight weeks. Well, that's awesome. You yeah, know that. for sure. The bad thing about rent fairs is you sign a contract, and now you're stuck in one place for eight weeks. Yeah. And you, it's hard to break out of that model and do other stuff. Yeah. Like maybe it would be more beneficial for us in the winter to do like a tour where we're literally like a different right. venue every night kind of thing, like yeah. two weeks. Just let's yeah. do two weeks. Bam, 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 bam. Well, uh, uh, one of the wenches, she does stand-up comedy on the weeks in between the mm. festival run. So if she knows that she's going to be somewhere for eight weeks, then those seven weeks in between those eight weekends, she she's, doing, and she's doing comedy clubs and That's getting awesome. herself booked. Uh, another one does band stuff and so gets her band booked at the different places so once you're when you're on tour you could kind of utilize that while you're in that area and then do that <clears throat> but it's a lot it's the a it's bad a thing lot, is that i feel like i'm already packed during the week right exactly like, uh, especially with you know everything that's everything, going on yeah. yeah yeah and and a lot of times like right now it's uh it's kind of just being here is a challenge yeah sometimes yeah it, it can be a challenge you know yeah. there's the, when you're on the road it's a challenge it there's is. always there's always something that gets you like for me i live in a trailer most of the year for yeah. 10 months out of 12 i live in a trailer and i love my trailer but the roof needs to be recovered again the yeah. you know vent needs to be fixed oh my fan went out in my bathroom vent so i have to fix that oh the gas propane uh thing that i got from you know this company two years ago it went out so now i have to fix that <clears throat> there's always something to be yeah. done it's it's a house on wheels so it's you know you think kind when you fix your you know? yeah when you fix your house you're like oh that wall is down or i had that flood and i had to repair that that cabinetry and those that floor but that's done and i don't have to do that for another 10 to 15 years no with a trailer it's like that leak happened and I am now going to, after fixing it, I now have to drive it, which means moving it, which means shuttering walls and and yeah. and uh, metal on metal and and structurally shaking it up, yep. literally shaking it for hundreds and hundreds of miles. Thousands of miles. And then I set it in a location where it sits for a while and then I get all the fixing. I do some more fixing and I do some more fixing and, Oh, it's raining. So I can't actually cover the roof this time. And I better address that leak. And it's so, oh, it's yeah. so much more than just regular home ownership. And, um, and, uh, and it's yeah, a like challenge. Said, it's nonstop. Yeah. Nonstop. When we're at a location. Yeah. yeah it's, so that's it's why I, I just, feel like, uh, Oh yeah, I really should be doing extra gigs during the week or I really should be recording music during the yeah. week or I really should be doing this and that. It just, it seems like there's never time. Right. There's or, never and when enough there time. is time, it, it's just not the right moment or, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to work on another project uh, yeah. and just, or like, just keeping the costumes repaired. We're literally going through all our costumes right now because we have the time to right. do it. And we have a seamstress that can help us um, building props if we use props. And occasionally we do. 
uh, making sure all the instruments are in good shape because that's you know that's the bread and butter. If an yeah. instrument goes bad, then you never know. Yeah, I had a, a friend of mine and is in Mary Wives of Windsor. I've got a couple friends in that group, and they just dropped their their cello fell over, Ooh. and the the Crack. neck Crack. separated from the yeah. the main piece. And I read that post and I thought, oh my gosh, that is, my heart sank, my stomach sank, like everything sank for them. But thankfully they knew a luthier and, or somebody through somebody's and somebody knew a luthier and was able to put it back together. And they said that if it wasn't for that luthier, you, like, you can't really tell that it was ever broken. She can tell because she sees where it is and where it was repaired and she knew, but the untrained eye just looking at it yeah. never know and they, really sure and they fixed it with before the next festival day it was like wow. fantastic work wow. yeah which is rare right yeah, yeah. but thankfully they're in los angeles area right. so the 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 amount of people that that could potentially fix it was is a higher percentage yeah you know as opposed to being somewhere, I actually just had an know. instrument in when I was in Austin. I mm-hmm. had an instrument that needed some work, and I took it in. And first of all, finding somebody who could work on this instrument yeah. was not easy. Even in a big city like Austin, uh, it's still very rare that you could find yeah. someone who could work on that specific thing. So technically, it was a violin shop, but the, the luthier they had there could do the repair on my instrument, which was not a violin. It's a viola da gamba, mm. which is similar but different. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he actually knew what one was was a good sign. Yeah, really you know? good, real good. And he goes, "What's wrong with it?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah. you know, so it was a little thing, and it shouldn't have taken that long to do, um, but it turns out that I needed a little bit more work done. Um, it took him over a week to get wow. it back to me. Wow. Um, but it was done right, and it sounds that's great, good. and it looks good. good. He did. He did know what he was doing. So yeah, I'm that's happy. good. So scary when that happens. Yeah. All right, so this is our final question. This is it. You're done. You're at the end. What advice do you have for someone who would like to become a musician, preferably a a professional musician, not necessarily performing at Renaissance festivals because there's lots of different musicians and lots of different styles and lots of different ways to make money? It's interesting you say that because this is the thing I think about a lot now. And I don't know if it's if it's because of our culture or if it's um, just the idea that uh, it seems like the older I get, the more I try to remember the reason why I started playing music is because I enjoy it. Yeah. Okay? And I truly enjoy the fact that music is one of those very few things that we human beings can do together mm-hmm. that is collaborative and creative and and just and makes us feel good yeah okay probably the purest form of that would be like singing just sitting around singing with your friends even mm-hmm. if it's like karaoke think, think about karaoke it's extremely popular why because mm-hmm. nobody's performing right mm-hmm. they're just sitting around singing tunes and having a good time and whatnot right uh there are lots of traditions in the world where performance never comes into it it's you're playing music and we even say play Play music. Right. Let's play some music together. Right. Because right? it's fun. The minute you turn it into a performance, that's when it, it takes on a different level. 
you still can be fun. Like, I, I don't know. Did you ever do marching band? I didn't. Oh, I was okay. a Band-Aid. I really wanted to be part of the band. I, I tried learning drums when I was in sixth grade. I had a bunk bed. I'm an only child. There was no reason for me to have a bunk bed. Mm. I started disassociating, and I fell off that bunk bed, and I got a green stick fracture in my wrist, and that ended my potential to learn drums. That was in my sixth grade year. Wow. Middle school didn't have a music program, and then in yeah, I was in a in a I moved states multiple times, but my middle school years did not have a musical program. So when I started call or high school, um, they did have a music program, and I said I want to I want to do everything. I want to be a cheerleader. I want to I want to um, be in theater, and I want to be in the band, and I want to play drums. And they said you can't have done this unless you did middle school band, because there's a there's a like thing that I had to do in order wow. to preemptively you know before the school year started, and I didn't do whatever that was. I didn't go to band camp for my middle school age um, to prep me for that. And they said, uh, and I auditioned to be a cheerleader, and I did not get into that either because again I didn't do. The middle school stuff so that the the locals didn't know me um i didn't know that i had to smile during the routine the, the practice routine i was just so nervous and i was like i know all the moves i can do them but i wasn't like i wasn't like bringing that so that's me exactly to my it. point right there and then uh they, they because you didn't so do then the, i went into theater yeah <laughs> but i love it but i've been doing theater since everybody. i was four well, theater is what I knew. Right. So theater was like, well, I guess I'll just put on this old coat again, you know. <laughs> so that was fine. But. but that's exactly what I mean. So by the time you get to high school, they expected you to go to band camp so that you could start learning the routines and the music and the performance aspects. Right. So that when school year comes around, you're at least ready enough to play the halftime shows. Right. Okay? So the whole focus goes into performance. And not right. necessarily about playing music and right. having fun or giving any student the opportunity to play an instrument, regardless if they perform or not. Right. Okay? That's what I mean. It's yeah. like once you get to a point, and this is high school, yeah. now the expectation is that you will be performing whether you like it or not. Right. And we want to be the best possible. So if you're not good enough, pew. Out. Yeah. Okay? Or if you don't have the necessary skills, pew. You know, mm -hmm. and where's my other opportunity or my other option if I don't want to be in the marching band? It right. doesn't exist. Right. Okay. So are they, it's I really do think it's um, uh, just endemic with our country that 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 once the performance idea gets uh, kind of glommed onto it, now it takes on a whole other thing, and people get turned off because I don't. So your advice is to just play. Uh, well, if if you're well, that's why I thought it's interesting. You said to be a professional musician, or just to you know for for funsies. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody should be playing music for funsies. Everybody, Great. everybody okay? should. Super. It's easy. It's super easy. And there's something out there for everyone. Mm -hmm. And we we know uh, there's there's been huge amounts of studies done on this. Music is one of the few things that you can do that will actually like. Yeah, it just it. It is unique in how our brains process music. It's uh, tremendous how our brains and our bodies deal with performing music and playing music. Um, 
And it's one of those few things that, like, when they actually do an MRI, like an active MRI of people playing music, your brain is all over the place. Wow. Yeah. And there's been huge amounts of studies suggesting that um, it's, like, if people who play music, listen to music, even just listening to music, uh, keeps your brain active and is uh, probably one of the best tools to help with Alzheimer's or other uh, degenerative, you know, uh, diseases yeah. and whatnot. Um, especially if they're singing. And just, I mean, it's funny, I laugh at that, but if you go to any choir, like a church choir on Sunday, you'll see all those old ladies up there singing. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they're probably in their 80s and their 90s, and they're just singing along. And they're, mm-hmm. um, there it is right there. There's yeah. the proof. They, people who sing, and especially they sing in a group, choir, band, whatever like that, just have so much more joy in their lives hmm. and less stress. And just, it's crazy. So everybody should be, playing music everybody should be singing music everybody should be enjoying just that thing that you can only do as a musician now that said if, if you want to be a professional musician meaning i make my money by performing music mm-hmm. it's everything else that's the hard part mm. playing sitting on stage standing on stage every weekend playing music that's the easy part that's the easiest part of my job yeah. The hardest part of my job is all the other crap I have to get done. Yeah. Okay. All the business, all, all the contracts, all, all the it. yeah. All of it. Uh, and 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 really keeping focused on the people in my group because that's they're the most important part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, everything else. Yeah. But if they, I need them to be at their best. For sure. Okay, and that's where, the, for me, the hardest part is as the director or the guy in charge, that's what I spend a lot of my time thinking about. Is so-and-so happy? Is so-and-so happy? Is this, 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 this? What's going on? You know, is there an issue? Do we need to talk about it? If one of them's having a bad day, and we all have bad days. Yeah, we sure do. We all have bad days. Yeah. I tell them all the time. I just have to be sure my bad day is not on a weekend. Or right. it's on my Monday when it's my day off. Right. That's my bad day. Yeah. And oddly enough, I do. I try to time it so that like, uh, and and they know if I'm having a bad day, they know. Just let, let me have my time, and whatnot. But I can't, I can't afford to have bad days on the weekends. Right. You know, or when I'm performing, I just can't have it. Can't have it from them either. So we talk about it a lot. Those those uh, dynamics and what's going on. And if there's somebody's having a bad day, we do our best and. Not do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not let it interfere with the with the music. And that's well, the main difference is that I have to perform regardless. Right. I feel what shape I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, to this date, uh, out of all the years I've been playing music professionally, which is coming up on 40 years, um, I've only missed one day of work. Wow. One day where nice. I physically could not move. I had a sciatic nerve thing go on. And it happened on a Friday, and I could not get out of bed on Sunday. On oh, jeez. Or no. It happened... On Friday, but Saturday I went to work, and on Sunday I could not get out of bed. I wow. missed one day of work in wow. all that time. Wow. Which means I have to spend a lot of time now as I'm getting older, making sure I'm physically fit and I'm eating right and getting sleep and all that other yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's what I mean. Be healthy. You're, you know, you're, it's all the other stuff. You're not paying me for the two days I'm playing. I recently told an entertainment director that. I said, you're not paying me for the two days I'm performing on your stage. You're paying me for all this other crap. That I have to do to be able to do that, right? Yeah, um, which is interesting because I think a lot about the whole idea that um, uh, performers in general, uh, we're we're not really paid 
time for money. You know, I mean, right. like most yeah. people have a job. Uh, you're going to make 15 bucks an hour. Right. You know, and that's it. Boom. You don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And once you're done with the job, you can and forget mm-hmm. about it. Right. We never get that. As performers, no. we're, it's more the value of what we do for mm-hmm. money. Right. Okay, the value we create is is what you're paying me for. Right. You're not paying me for my time. Right. You're paying me for that value. Because that, that if you were to pay me for the amount of time I had to put in to get to that, you guys could not afford me. Right. <laughs> you just could not afford right. it. Right, right. Because you know, and I know, that during the week we spend all this time, and we've been doing this year after year after year after mm-hmm. year, and we're constantly thinking about it. We're constantly working. Even when I'm not working, I'm working. Right. You know, um, yeah, I'm always at a restaurant. I'm always <laughs> pimping out whatever show I'm at. If I'm at the laundromat, I'm talking about talking to other people about the show that I'm at. And so I'm always doing marketing. I'm always talking about the show. I'm always talking about whatever it is that I'm working mm-hmm. at. Yeah. And then like right now, I know you have a new partner, so you probably spend yeah. a lot of extra time. A lot of rehearsal. A lot of rehearsal. Just to make sure thing. that, you know, because she's got to get her hours in, you know, and, and this is... She is very new, but yeah. she's not new to the Renaissance world, and she's definitely not new to performing. She's really freaking talented, and she's very funny. I just need to get her to memorize the lines and then forget the lines. Yeah, that's where that's where we're at right now. We're memorize now we're, and forget it. Yeah, we're now at the part where she's already memorized it. She knows what the lines are. She might not have them right away, but she's fantastic and all she has to do is get out of her head and just forget about the lines because yeah. i've and got her like make make them like her yeah 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 forget forget about the lines just tell the story forget about the lines just do the bit like forget about the lines <sighs> just be funny <laughs> you know only my guys can learn that lesson um it's tough it's a tough they're lesson great to learn. they're yeah. great but the fact is that uh none of us myself included like i did a little bit of acting you know theater in high school a little bit in college but I've never actually studied acting. Mm. Uh, and uh, there's so much to it that it's, it's impossible to say, this is what an actor has to learn and whatnot. But like studying scripts and mannerisms and character development and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And am, am I doing method or am I just, you know, right. whatever. Right. All of that. Okay? They're musicians. My guys are musicians. Right. They, they can memorize a line. They can recite it. But trying to get them to do it so that it's, Funny, or the right. timing is right, or the delivery is consistent, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. Oh, part of my jobs is I offer improv classes to <sighs> groups who want it. So, oh, that uh, we could the do key a little word right there. Yeah, they don't want it. All right. Well, yeah. you might um, want it for them. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we have we've done we've done some uh, some improv work and workshops and good. Um, which is always good. We should talk because yeah. actually that would be great use of our time during the week while yeah. we're here. Imagine that. So. All right. Thank you so much, Michael, for being on here. Wait, we're done? You were done. I told you that was the Woo-hoo. last question. We actually talked a lot longer on that last question than I thought we were going to. Oh. Um, but Did it's I fine. actually make my point? I think so. I what think was your advice? Um, play. Just play everybody music. Everybody should play more music. Everybody should everybody. play more music. And just, and just enjoy the process of doing that. You're going to be a professional. Be prepared. It's not about the the time you're on stage. Yeah, you said all that. Okay, good. Yeah, you did. That was basically it. Great. And yeah, thanks. Wow, this has been. uh, I want to listen to it because it's been really fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about a lot of different stuff. Sorry.
It's all right. No, it's good. If you listen to any of my other podcast episodes, you'll hear there's a lot of tangents that we all go on. All right. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm your host, Cassie Townsend. Theme song is wrapped by Greg Lestraps. Chris Kempton is our associate producer. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash workhistory. Show notes have additional information on Michael. And remember to rate, review, share, and subscribe because it really does help. So what's your work history?